The dating app OkCupid is famous for matching people on what matters most to them, from food to the type of relationship they want to politics. They ask you really thoughtful and provoking questions to get to the heart of who you are and what type of person you're looking for. Download the OkCupid app. It's free. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, greetings, salutations, disaster divas. Welcome back. It is I, your host, Jordan Cruciola, and I am with... Amanda Smith, your other host. Yes, co-host Amanda Smith. And, you know, it's been one of those embarrassment of riches runs of time lately on the pod because we have yet another guest. We have yet another wonderful guest. And I will kick it right over to said guest so she can introduce herself and let you know about the movie she has brought to us today. Hey, I'm Erica Henderson. I'm best known for my run on Marvel's The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. And most recently, Alex DeCampi and I put out a book called Dracula Motherfucker. Awesome. Which is, <laughs> Hell yeah. Which is our uh, 70s LA black exploitation Dracula book, which I'm still very <laughs> excited about, even though it's been out for a few months. <laughs> now, was that was that something... Did you guys come to that together? Had one of you had the idea for, like a long time it was like this is what i've always wanted to do like what is the genesis of dracula motherfucker so uh we answer the first question first which is normally i like to work with my partner and we like figure out a story together we work on things and this was a case where alex just out of the blue sent me a script and was like what do you think of this and i read the script and i was like yeah yeah let's do it (laughs) i I'm down. Was, was it at the time called Dracula Motherfucker? Like, did you know that at the outset? Because that's a great hook. Yes, yes, because apparently that was just based on so, like a Twitter joke that she had made with someone. Got it. Okay. The literally just the tweet Dracula comma Motherfucker exclamation okay. point, and then was like, well, that has to be the name of a book. Well, I'm glad she sure, wasn't. Yeah. I'm glad she yeah. ended up. Uh, I'm glad you guys ended up making something out of that. She wasn't just giving away her best <laughs> stuff on Twitter for free. You guys really, really <laughs> ran with it. I mean, Twitter, the IP generating engine of today's marketplace of ideas. Probably most people aren't going to say, "Let me take something with the word motherfucker in it and turn it into a book title." So I think, <laughs> luckily, that was a thing where you could probably pretty easily reserve it for yourself without having to like do a copyright law thing. Right, right. And fits so well within the black exploitation rubric. Like that Yeah, like I, that I think like the name like made it a black exploitation kind of thing. Like it was mm-hmm. just a word before and now it's like, well, where does that fit in? Yeah, yeah. Well, Erica, what I I am so excited. For, for those who don't know what we're doing today, I've been waiting to do this one for since we started doing this podcast. What have you brought to us today to discuss? We're doing Shin Godzilla. Yes! Yes! Somebody responded to me on Twitter when I was watching it last night uh, in all caps, Derpy Larval Godzilla! Exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) And that is exactly what we get in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I love how this movie just completely... In a way, it does exactly what the first Godzilla does. Exactly, In terms of the theme, but it's Mm -hmm. completely different. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
So should I talk about what the movie is now? Yes, yes. Give us okay. give us a taste of what this movie is about. All right. So the movie was written after the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. basically like going back to the core of what Godzilla is, which is mm-hmm. nuclear disaster wrought upon Japan. And it's what I love about it is that it's like my favorite fantasy kind of movie where there's just this really strong government that's working mm-hmm. to fix everything. And I was like, yeah. oh, that feels great right now. That's what a, <laughs> what, what a lovely thing to look at. All these people, regardless of whether or not they're wrong or right in the moment, they're trying to figure out the best thing to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like that, that, right. that feels great. I love it. Well, but, and, um, and, and also gives us throughout like a tour of how government dysfunctions, how government malfunctions yeah. under the weight of its own bureaucracy and all of yeah. the Byzantine channels are in pl- that are in place to analyze the smallest of small details that can bog down action in discussion and having yeah. the factions of the older guard in the prime minister's main cabinet very much at odds with like the the rogue the quote rebel uh who leads up sort of the younger as the younger arm of the leadership faction yaguchi and i it was it, it feels like perfectly over like slightly per- perfectly do- overdone in that um, Armando Iannucci kind of way, the way it sort of like stages absurd settings of like office minutia. Like at one point, the movie goes from one conference room where they're like, we need to get together with all these people to respond to what's going on with this disaster. So they meet and then they're like, okay, we are having this meeting. Now we should meet with the cabinet and all these expanded people. Let's go to the bigger conference room. So they go to the bigger conference room. And after they're in the bigger conference room, they're like, okay, let's take it back to that other conference room. And then throughout the movie, the like designations for what the task for task forces do just get bigger and longer into the point, like at certain points, they like are taking up a third of the screen with how long the descriptions are of what like a person in a department on these task forces is doing. And like, there are a couple walk and talks that are really demonstrative of how people are just really frustrated with the system not letting anything getting anything done. So this movie is at once an excellent Godzilla movie, and an excellent, great satire of like, workplace political bullshit. Yeah, and not even like a metaphorical way in a literal way that it just puts right in front of you. I also just I love the style of filmmaking that very much brings in the filmmaker's eye like you can feel mm-hmm. it it's like the, mm-hmm. the cuts where you go from uh let's say definitely the like the prime minister thank god he talked to france and then it immediately cuts to the prime minister bowing in front of this white guy who you assume yeah. is the president of france they never say it it's they just never this, say like, it there's really no quick. conversation yeah. <laughs> it's just oh that's a thing that happened here's a quick cut cut back to something else and i love i love that style of like here's the information you need and here's here we're showing you a piece of it without it being the same information. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he's showing gratitude to this guy, which is like a separate piece of information than just yeah. talking to France. And it's, I love it. I love doing that kind of thing. 
<laughs> well, it is, and it's, like, not, like, it, not everything needs to be explicitly about what you do in your profession, but, like, having just visual panels of information in lieu of exposition, it's like, no, we got it. Like, all we yeah. need to give you is this insert here, and that should tell you so much about, it, it gives you, it gives you the information that you need about how this exchange played out between the, the Japanese PM and then the president of France, but then it also, like, you know, you you are obviously going to, you experience international cinema differently if you're not from the country in which it is made. And so right. to watch this as, as a non-Japanese, as a not-Japanese person, and to watch, like, cultural custom and norms play out, like, I understand that there's so much I'm not getting from a movie like this because I don't understand innately the cultural customs that are on, that are on display, which makes it just so much more interesting to even consider like, oh my God, imagine everything I would be getting from this fight if I knew the intricacies of the, of the tradition and, and process of what was going on right now. Yeah, there's, oh man, it's just, and even, even down to pieces like they're in a long meeting Mm -hmm. And then there's just text saying, sometime later. And they're still just talking about the same thing. Yeah. I love that it doesn't... Mm -hmm. I feel like if we were showing a meeting in an American movie, it'd mm -hmm. be like, these are the facts. And now we're done talking about the facts. On to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> and here it's just that like, was... it's about getting into this weird minutia of talking about, like, underwater yes. volcanoes. Yes. Yes. And, like, we I, have to consult the experts. And did the experts talk to the experts? And the experts aren't comfortable weighing in yet because the experts don't want to risk their credibility on unverified information. It was just, like, it was, it is, it's funny, it's suspenseful, and Godzilla looks fucking awesome. Yes. Amanda, yeah, yes. The monster design. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, the monster design on Godzilla was fantastic. So you're right. Like, he starts out so derpy, but when you actually, like, break down what's happening, that he's going from being an undersea creature mm -hmm. to then becoming a land monster, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, so much of it makes sense. Yeah. The eyes being a little larger because he's at depth, and then, like, he doesn't need the hands, yeah. and then he gets out on land, and he gets upright, and he does need the hands because you need that to balance yourself out. And actually, um, actually, the... I was at a dinosaur drive-thru <laughs> yesterday right, that's uh, right. seeing animatronic dinosaurs. Yeah. Wait, wait. And go, go, go back. What? <laughs> okay. Now, where is where is this located? So this is this is currently, it's been touring the country. Okay. It's currently at the Rose Bowl. Got it. Yeah. It's currently at the Rose Bowl. It was a this animatronic dinosaur drive-thru thing. So they had a bunch of animatronic dinosaurs. You play a little audio thing and like you learn about <laughs> all the different dinosaurs. It's definitely intended for children. Okay. <laughs> I went because... I was like, it's a chance to leave the house and see dinosaurs. No, that's cool. That was just, that was such a fun example of like, um, being someone who lives in a coastal city is just like, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I was at a dinosaur drive through yesterday Hi. and just moving right on as if that's just a thing that happens everywhere. Yeah, totally normal. Just the dinosaur drive through Yeah. I mean, it's completely um, normal for Amanda. It, that is that is fair. Yeah. Like that is a thing I would have sought out. And, uh, weirdly, my insta I didn't know about it. My Instagram recommended it, and I was like, "Wow, you know what? For once, the algorithm was working in my favor." <laughs> um, but there was, uh, I think, it was the Carnotosaurus, which is like a large bipedal sort of rage monster. <laughs> um, and as I was driving through, and I saw it, and it had the tiny, tiny. It has the smallest hands of any right, of the theropods. Okay. Any of the. And they're just literally, they're just like little, little arm boobs. <laughs> um, and I saw it and I was like, oh shit, it's Shin Godzilla. Because they don't technically need the arms, right. but they're there for like a purpose. Um, and so I thought the character, the, the monster design on it was just so interesting because of that fact. Uh, but 
it was just and just so grotesque. I loved I love that they didn't try once to make it like I think back to the ninety eight Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um where the Matthew Broderick looks, Godzilla. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. And he's right? Yeah. And he's like a weird, like sleek, sexy iguana creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Fun fact. So in Japan, they call that one Zilla. Because he's so far from being Godzilla that he does not, right? He's not allowed that moniker, and Got he's actually it. momentarily in um, dis- is it Destroy All Monsters? There- there's one movie that has every single kaiju in it, and oh, so they okay. had to include Zilla, and like they cared so little about it that they scanned <laughs> in a toy, and that was their model, and it blew up immediately. <laughs> like he's there for a moment because they're like, I guess he's got to be here. And what, like, yeah. perfect, what a perfect side eye. Nonsense. <laughs> so That's great. so great. Well, it wasn't, I think it was, oh, I think it was when um, the sort of the, the initial reboot of Godzilla from a couple years ago that came out. Uh, I always, if it, it's Gareth Edwards, I think directed yeah. it. There's, there's two yeah, directors. Yeah, Gareth. Ev- there's Gareth Evans and Gareth Edwards. Exactly. And I don't, I think it's Evans. Gareth Evans. I think it's Evans because he did, yeah. he did monster movies before that. Yeah, right? I think it's Gareth Evans. Um. I think when his Godzilla came out, I think I remember like there being like a dust up online of people making fun of like Godzilla diehards, like Toho Godzilla diehards making fun of that Godzilla because he was so fat. Like they were calling it, they were calling him like fat Godzilla. Like what is this? I love how fat he is. Exactly. Like, so he is, he is notably he's, fat Godzilla. He's a little cherub. Like <laughs> I let I, him live. I love that design, but I'm very annoyed by that movie because it's also based on Fukushima um mm. and but in this way where like I so I rewatched the first like 42 minutes of it last night uh, and yeah. did you even see this, any Godzilla or Muto's in that 42 minutes Muto yes but like it took until 45 minutes to mention Godzilla there you like, go like I literally was like I'm going to stay here until they mention this <laughs> stupid lizard <laughs> Stay in here. <laughs> I, but, uh, by the way, we, we were wrong. It was Gareth Edwards. He's the one who did Gareth Monster Edwards. Movies and also oh, Godzilla. Shit. And also Rogue One. I am I remain a hundred percent defeated on Evans yeah. versus Edwards in conversation. Okay, Gareth Fair. Edwards. I know. But yes, you were yeah. saying 45 Evans is minutes. the raid. Uh so there's this thing where like Brian Cranston, the like American scientist who knows more than anyone else in Japan who's in Japan, uh <laughs> tells his son, like that these people are keeping it buried um and like oh you know what i literally tweeted the line to my friend last night so i like know exactly i i remember and while you're doing that i will just say i was working at wired at the time this came out and we did i remember somebody put out a video because i think i did the blog post on it somebody put out a video that was like here's all of the kaiju in the new godzilla don't worry it'll take like 10 minutes of your day like, it, I think it was 12 minutes total of the movie that you actually... And, like, I get it. I get that you want to focus on the drama. I get that you want to focus on the story. Like, I, I understand it's a very deliberate... I'm not saying it's a wrong choice. I'm saying it's a commitment to a choice. And, okay, I respect that in a way. But, like, mm-hmm. that is why I'm okay. I'm tepid on that movie. Except for the part where they're, like, fucking skydiving into San Francisco in front of Godzilla, <laughs> which is one of the coolest things ever. I love King of the Monsters. Because give me wall-to-wall kaiju fighting. Give me wall-to-wall <laughs> kaiju fighting. Give me Mothra being unveiled like the fucking goddess that she is. 
Like I, I, that I, I went to the premiere, like weird red carpet premiere of that movie. It was the only way I could get into a press screening. Millie Bobby Brown looked like she was 35 in a beautiful dress. Like I saw her on the red carpet. <laughs> I was like, this is a scene. And it was at the Chinese theater in Hollywood. So it was the whole dog and pony show, like LA rollout. And I stood and cheered three times during that movie. <laughs> After monster fights, like Ghidorah on top of the volcano, just like screaming to all of his kaiju minions. I was like, mm. yes, <laughs> like standing and clapping. It was outstanding. But okay, your tweet, so you were saying. I, I found the <clears throat> line. It's Brian Cranston tells his American military son, you can't just bury this in the past, which is like he's referring to a thing that Japan is hiding about like nuclear disaster yeah. that will harm America. And I was like, <laughs> Do you know what Godzilla is? Because this is oh really God. I, Do I, you know I, what Godzilla is? God. I can deal with the Roland Emmerich one because at the very least they're like, oh, all that nuclear testing we did made this thing. And it's like, all right, you're 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 like half copping to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's not to say Japan did nothing wrong in the war. I'm like my family's Chinese. They're like they're uh they hate Japan for what happened in World War II, but also mm. this thing happened to Japan. Right, that, right. Yeah. It's I, like that's the always only the weird... place it happened to. Yeah, the only, the that... only place that it happened to. That's the weird, the weird line that I think it's almost, which is why whenever American America does Godzilla movies, I'm like, guys, I know that we love this IP, but I feel like this is not for us. Uh-huh. This is not one we get to take in because yeah. of the fact that it's, I mean, it's, it would be I, to be a, like flippant, but not flippant. It would be like if a, like a bunch of Germans were like, Hey, so we're going to make this movie where, um, it's a disaster movie, but it's a metaphor for the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, uh, no, that one's not for you. You guys don't get to, you don't get to take that. Um, and I feel like similarly, like America, we, we do not get dibs on Godzilla. Like we can, you can have another large giant monster. You, we've got King Kong. <laughs> like, well, what's we've, we've what's got weird, King Kong. What's weird to me though is that like Kong of Skull Island. We're really digressing mm-hmm. now, but like Kong of Skull Island. No, this is really mm-hmm. went into like, hey, you know what we might not have been so good at was that war where we just kind of stomped in and ruined a bunch of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Kong of Skull Island did it. And it's the same franchise right now, yeah. so I don't yeah. know what's yeah. going on. I it's it's messy and, and it, like Kong Kong to me to, to to digress further is definitely like about American imperialism, and yeah. So there's no like the fact that then you have King Kong going up against Godzilla. It's like guys, that's that's messy on so many levels, and that is technically like a 60, 1964, I think IP, but still, it's we don't need. I mean, to. first Kong is thirties. No, yeah. I'm saying Godzilla versus King oh, Kong okay. was first yeah, done yeah, yeah. in like 1964. I mean, yeah, like uh, Kong is certainly a symbol of like subjugation of people by yeah. white Americans and like chaining chaining up the ape. Like it's it's very bad stuff. Um, yeah, but it's uh, uh, but it, it's definitely. But the point being though that like Godzilla is not. I don't. It's not a territory where Americans are suited to do it. Nor really should we be doing it. Well, that's why. I mean, that's 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 uh, you know in a metatextual sense it's it's one of the things that's so exciting to watch about this movie because even like if you look at it in terms of a reality index you watch it and it's like oh we can have 
modern Godzilla that feels like, like 2020, 2016, I think maybe when this came out, Godzilla that looks every bit as cool as a what we are capable of producing with modern technology but you can have it feel like toho godzilla you can have it feel like that original creature the way it moves the way it looks in those wide shots the way it marches through the cities you look at that and it feels so much like watching like it somehow has that like like what would be by comparison like a sort of kitsch look to it that we could peg on the 1954 aesthetic that at the time, of course, was fucking terrifying and was like a seminal moment in horror cinema, Godzilla crashing through the city. And you can merge those two sensibilities if you care to recognize the history of it and bring it into the present in a way that, I, like you said, Amanda, I think just isn't in the, it's not in the wheelhouse of American filmmakers. This, this property isn't <laughs> ours. It doesn't mean to us what it means to the country that created it, that it, it doesn't mean to us what the inciting incident that created Godzilla means to the country that created this art initially in Japan. Like, I loved how there was kind of that absurdity to the monster when it makes landfall as the larva. And even when it becomes like giant quintuple in size Godzilla, that seems like he's, you know, now you look at Godzilla in um, uh, King of the Monsters and the one before it, and Godzilla's like, Godzilla's like a fucking war machine. Like, he has that look in his eyes. He is, he's looking at, he's looking at the other kaiju in King of the Monsters, and like, there's an implicitly, like, fuck around and find out kind of thing coming off of his eyes. This Godzilla is just marching forward. This Godzilla is just determined to get from point A to point B, and we never interrogate why. And I really like that. We're not spending time in the movie on like, why is the, where is the monster going? What's he doing? They just see the path that he's taking and know that they need to stop him. Well, I like that's sort of the difference between <clears throat> like the, I can't remember what year the first one came out. 54? 54. 54. Yeah. Yes. Um, I just looked it up. So you have that off the top of your head and I have looked it up. Yes, that is it. Nice. Um, in 54 one, I think had a bit more of that look because it was about like this thing that people purposely did mm -hmm. that to, to harm Japan. And this one is just this force of nature. Like it's a thing that happened in Japan. Yeah. And so like there's nothing, mm -hmm. there's, nothing to understand there it's just a thing that's happening and everything else like all the other s political machinations mm -hmm. that's because of like whatever countries and bureaucracies you're dealing with but like godzilla itself is just alien there's it's no alien. understanding it yeah yeah he's not like he doesn't care about our intentions and trying to divine its intentions. Like, I like how much time they spend on the biology of it. Like, I like it when they get into, like, the specifics of, well, it's, you know, there's the amazing, very um, determined member of the Yaguchi team who's like that kind of that that odd woman, that odd, very kind of wooden woman who's clearly just, like, an incredible genius brain. And when she inserts, like her parts of her, her contributions of the conversation are always like my favorite moments in the movie. And she's like talking about like why it might have this on it and judging by this and judging by this and this, this, and this. And I'm like, yes, let's talk about the biologist thing. I don't really care what it's passionate about. I don't really care why it came out of the water. The bottom line is, is that it's charging through the entire island of, of Japan and a lot of people are going to die. So let's like assess the facts of it. And America, we're just so emotional. Americans are just so fucking emotional. We have to make Godzilla <laughs> emotional too. And like, there's a great, as far as like a, a contrasting in realities, I loved, um, there's, um, 
like multiple times where people like in official cabinet meetings or like war room meetings, like kind of raise their voice. And it's always immediately like a, a followed by an apology. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just doing this. Whereas like in American movies, that's like, that's what you fucking do in those meetings. You pound on the table and you scream. And like, there's always at least, there's probably one character and maybe multiple where it's like, we've got to do this. And they're pounding papers. And they're getting mad. And no one's like, hey, you're out of order right now. They're just like, well, that guy's got a point. Like just seeing as in terms of reality of like, oh my gosh, that is that cultural reality is so much different from my own. It just adds such an interesting right. texture to the viewing experience. Should we go through like what happens yeah, yeah. If okay. you yeah, if you have like reality point, yeah, let's let's begin oh, no, just... where we need to begin. Oh, should yeah. I start? Yeah, okay. go yeah. Um, should we should we start with the tunnel? Well, I think we should start cuz it comes back later with the boat cuz it's like it seems irrelevant at first and then it comes right. back. There's they're just like investigating this empty boat in the water. Something's happened to it. They don't know. Mm-hmm. And then the tunnel yeah. <laughs> yes, they're they're out surveying this boat and then suddenly there's there's like an explosion. And the the surveying boat, the like probably what would be like I, I think maybe equivalent of a coast guard, like they look out and there's been this huge eruption underneath Tokyo Bay and it's resulted in a a, dr- a tunnel getting fucked up and it's kind of flooding and there've been some car wrecks, but there's just this huge it's it for a while persistent like steam eruption blowing like wa- huge water spouts out of the bay and that's when we commence our bureaucracy with like well it could be a volcano and there's well it could be this thing it could be this thing and that's when Yaguchi is like well there are videos on the internet suggesting that it's a giant marine creature and he they're like no that's crazy this meeting isn't a joke Yaguchi and they're getting all mad at him but like people are I, starting I, to capture it on video and I love almost immediately and this ties into our current situation where like this is a thing that's just happened. No one knows what's going on. And they're yep. already like, we had to close the airports and we're losing money. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, when they why, get why, into that. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do we have to like close all this stuff off just because Tokyo Bay's boiling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also love that it, the, the entire government, they're sitting there and they're just like, well, we're going to go with the answer that's most convenient. We're going to say it's a steam eruption from a volcano. Like they just all decide without any information. They're like, but this is the most convenient personally to all of us to be the least disruptive. So that's what we're going to go with. And I just love that because I felt very real to be like, yeah, that's exactly what a government would be doing. It would be like, well, mm, do we want it? We, no, we're not going to say that there's like might be a monster, even though we have video of its giant sea dick tail. Um, I, I love momentarily after that, like mm-hmm. the, the prime minister is like mm-hmm. talking to the nation. Yeah. And before he's he goes put on in, his jumpsuit, like, he's put on yeah. his functional mm-hmm. jumpsuit. That there's like one of his aides is like, hey, stick to the facts we yes. don't know what's mm-hmm. going on stick to the facts and then he does not do that and while he's in the meeting they're like um yeah he's like, just came out of the water. he's like there's, <laughs> there's absolutely no there's don't worry everybody there's no danger of the creature making landfall as yeah. it is happening we are seeing cuts back to the creature yeah. moving through a channel and then he has his little his assistant comes out of the stage quietly like whispers something to him and he's just like and then we just cut to him in the hall being like, I've just been proven a liar on national television. The editing yeah. in this movie and the cutaways are so good. I think yeah. what I realized, I feel like that style of editing, I think I'm just for now on, I'm just going to call it like arrest development narrator voice editing. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, you're saying one thing and then immediately to off to the side without like an actual narrator, the reality situation is just being like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Reader, it yeah. did. 
you, like, and it, it felt, it felt very, it felt excruciatingly real when they were in the conference rooms and some minister oh. would be giving an explanation of what would go on. And then somebody would, an aide would come and lean over the table and hand them a piece of paper and they're like, Actually, I've just been informed that everything I said is untrue and that I'm going to update you with this information. And that happens multiple times throughout that meeting. And just watching everybody be so, I mean, it's it's like watching our, it's like watching our own government right now, watching everybody be so hesitant to make a declarative statement on anything regarding information so they don't have ownership of that information. Unless they can just fucking make it up. Unless it's a conspiracy theory, they'll say that all day. But, like, the idea of watching a room full of people hedge with the most ridiculous language so nobody has to take responsibility for the decision-making and the, 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 the facts conveyed that go into the decision-making is just, like, it felt cripplingly true. I love how many times in this movie, I feel like if I watched it again, I would just sit there and count. But like the amount of times someone needs to make a decision and they respond with, but there's no precedent. But there's no precedent. There's no precedent. What are we supposed to do when there's no precedent? Like it is, it's a fucking compulsory thing that they say. I I really enjoyed how how much of the movie was spent with like the, basically the government pushing back and being like, well, we can't do that because we've never done that before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that that means that this, like when they had to so the, the security defense group, the security defense team, which is supposed to be like just internal defense against outside fort. Like it's, I guess it's not quite their army. It, yeah. It's, a little, it's, it's, it seems yeah. like a defense force is the best thing that it can yeah. be categorized. It can't make offensive strikes. I would imagine just protect. Exactly. Yeah. It's a yeah, defensive like, team. Yeah. After World Given War II. Given the post World yeah. War II. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they had the conversation, they're like about deploying the SDF and they're like, but that means that the soldiers would engage in armed con- combat. And the reply is that's certainly going to give the prime minister pause. We'd be mobilizing the country for war. And that's the disagreement that they're having. And I found that fascinating because if this were, I mean, it, I contrasted a lot of this movie in my head with Cloverfield, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which came out, you know, a re- what that would have been like maybe two years, three years like prior. Yeah. So it had been like three years prior in Cloverfield. You just suddenly have the entire American military is in the streets of New York exchanging live fire with this creature and <laughs> bombing it from the air. And like, there's no quite, there's no pause, there's no hesitation. Um, and I loved that contrast of that, which is probably more realistic, which is that there would be layers and layers and layers of, well, can we have the military come out? We've never engaged them in this way before. Yeah. They're not supposed to, they can't be the aggressive aggressor. Can they exchange live fire? And I love that contrast. Um, well, because like it felt way more realistic. I like that that also starts to set up the U.S. as a problem because yeah. it, like the reason it's a problem here is that mm-hmm. like the United States made Japan not have like an army, and yeah. they're like, right. uh, "Will the U.S. fuck us up because we like shot this giant monster destroying Tokyo?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, it, and then it becomes, and then it becomes the U.S. is going to fuck us up because we didn't do enough to stop it, and it's just this lose lose. Well, and, yeah. and and watching to the watching that the moment where it become it starts to become an international concern, and they're like nations in proximity. They're like I think it's the the American envoy Patterson who comes in, and she's like, well. Uh, China and Russia are moving to take control of Godzilla out from underneath of Japan. It's like, 
that there, like, it felt so real and yet crazy that there would be a conversation about foreign nations insisting they were going to take control of a thing that was happening within the borders of another country. Just like, oh no, we control, we control Godzilla now. It's like, what the fuck do you mean you take control of Godzilla? It's in the middle of fucking Tokyo. Like, who says that you're taking control of Godzilla right now? But that's how it works. Also, going, going back to, like, when, so, the tale comes out. Yes. And they talk about that for a while. Looks then- so amazing. The actual larva mm-hmm. Godzilla, baby mm-hmm. Godzilla comes out. And yeah. I love how like we talked about this before with it not having any kind of real like it like I can tell, like any kind of consciousness. It's yeah. just moving. It's and barely it, I, even something... reactive unless it is under extreme threat. Like it doesn't yeah. notice people. It doesn't it's not like looking around surveying an area. It's just going straight ahead until it gets like bombed by things and then it like physically reacts to protect itself. But other than that, it doesn't even register the insignificant yeah. things around it. I there's something really horrible about the moment when it it's like you don't know what's going on yet when you're first watching it, mm-hmm. but it like wriggles up onto a building to kind of stand upright and it can't yeah. do that. And mm-hmm. just this like the very innocent act of like a baby trying to stand upright just yeah. brings down an entire building. Mm-hmm. I love the like the innocence of that while also like you probably just killed like a thousand people. Yeah, and like yeah. it shows us right as it's standing up, there's the two people in the apartment, and the I think the husband is like yelling at the wife, he's like, We gotta go now. And that's the building mm-hmm. that Godzilla writes itself on, and then suddenly it just starts tipping, and you're like, Oh fuck no. And that reminds me too of like Amanda, what you were saying with Cloverfield. I I spoke to the creature designer who um worked on Cloverfield, Neville Page. Um, I was talking to him for something else, but he brought up how he thinks about the intention of the creatures and he roots them in like biological realities and gives them like components on their body that would be necessary for where and how they survive. It's a very cool conversation, but he talked about how when he was designing the Cloverfield monster, he was like, I don't know if this is true for JJ. He's like, we didn't talk about it. I just, when I was creating that creature for me, I thought of it as a baby and that it was just a baby monster thrashing its way, terrified around Manhattan And it was just trying to find its mom. And that's why it was so frantic and crazy. He's like, that's not how it was in the script. He's like, I'm not trying to say that that was like, that's what's canon in the story. But for me, that's how I, I considered it like, considered in the terms of intention of what I was designing. And so that's, and that's basically what larval Godzilla is doing in this. What sea Godzilla is doing is just kind of like a baby figuring its shit out until it realizes what its new biological realities are. And then its body can immediately adapt to address those those issues and also godzilla is chaos baby chaos baby and i liked too that the movie like for the reality of it like it did how it had to how godzilla had to retreat into the water because what they discover is like it's got a tremendous amount of heat inside of it and it converts like heat to energy and that's how it lives i think um well it gets like its blood acts as a cooling system and so when it gets overheated and it like has to like recenter itself it's like oh i gotta go back into tokyo bay like there's not like a strategy he's not like trying to take the american the the japanese forces off guard like trying to siege the city he comes out of the water he goes back into the water when he needs to when his body needs to like regenerate and recharge and then he comes back out of the water again it's just instinct it's just biological instinct there are two things in the baby Godzilla scene that I really like. And one of them, uh, okay, I guess I already talked about one, which was the, <laughs> the writing itself. But like the other one is when like at this point, the prime minister's finally decided 
okay, we gotta shoot this thing because, <laughs> like, everyone in front of, like, in its path has died. Yeah. <laughs> and they bring these, uh, these helicopters, they're ready to shoot it, and then they're, he's told there's people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's quite possible that in this baby stage they could have killed it with what they had right there. Right. But mm-hmm. like they didn't have any information. Yeah. And like even though everything gets worse after this point, he's like, No, we can't shoot towards civilians. Like that's mm-hmm. just not that's just not a thing we're gonna do. And I felt this moment where they're like they have to sit there and talk that out for a while and be like, Whoa, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna like there's people here and then it just runs off. Like, before yeah. they can do anything, it just runs up into the motion. And it just oh. as it can... Oh, yeah, continue. Sorry, I, I, remember, I remember the other thing I liked. It was not It was not part of the building thing. It's... Mm. Go, I love what you were talking about, where they, like, find all these explanations for what is going on and, like, just the random things that it does. Mm-hmm. But I also love how completely nonsense parts of it are. Like, how mm-hmm. Godzilla stands up and then just... He pulls arms out of his own body. Like they just, <laughs> yeah, they just unfold from nothing. And I'm like, yep, yep, I love it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> no question. Just sure. That is how that works. I love that he. I love that like he like when he's in larval stage, like when his gills open up and he's walking through the streets and it just like spills blood onto the mm. streets below. It's just like just wonderful visual details. How before he becomes final form. Gojira, like when he's just worming his way through the channel and he just he looks like blood he looks like he has blood and fucking sinew all over his body when he finally stands himself up and raises his mouth to the sky and like opens it up and roars it's just like blood bloody muscular tissue in like the corners of his mouth it's a visceral wild looking animal it is so cool yeah i like that there's no part of this movie where Godzilla doesn't ever he always looks like a mistake yeah. <laughs> like there's never a time where it's like oh this is something that happened on purpose like the, right. you know, the way that like evolution would create like weird things it's like no no yeah, yeah. it's been no. it looks like something that has evolved from a deep sea creature yeah and has it, been which is feeding just off of, feeding off of discarded nuclear waste like yep. yes yeah. this is the product of severe nuclear mutation this is not like it doesn't end up looking cute it ends up looking like a fucking nightmare yeah like the final form is just like a giant burn victim yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even like when, like how even like once he's all armored up and huge, God, that image of him, the image of him coming in from the bay once he's big, 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 and he's coming mm. into land, and it's just those slow, like very like puppets, like original puppetry style Godzilla steps just marching forward, and the way they even bring in that music that makes it feel like a movie from the nineteen fifties and sixties when he's coming in. If you get when they when they shoot at him and you get the close-ups on his like monster skin. It's just all these huge, deep, like, everything-proof grooves. But then you look around his, like, the fins in the back, and it still looks like... It looks like you could jump inside of his organs through the dorsal fins. Like, it looks like it's still juicy and open and gross. And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, this is, like... They took it out of the fucking oven too early, man. This is a cake on nailed it. And, like, they went to make, like... (laughs) They went to make King of the Monsters Godzilla, and, that like, this is what came out... Because this is a this is a genetic horror show. Yeah, I love the slow movements because it's like it's 
Godzilla's not terrifying because he's like really good at what he does. (laughs) He's just like nothing can stop him. Yeah. He's just, it doesn't matter that he's slow and like isn't able to do much. Like that Mm -hmm. doesn't. That's not gonna yeah. do anything. No. Much like he clocks horror- in at eight miles an hour. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> that's not fast, but it, it's just he's just a steady moving force. This is it's amazing. Much like the former president of the United States, just moving on impulse. Huge, dumb, and unstoppable. And <laughs> impervious to seemingly anything. And we see how much you can fuck up in a short amount of time when that's your when that's your operating procedure. I I have to spotlight my I, perhaps my favorite moment in this movie when it's like, okay, the old guard is is kind of not getting it done and they know that they need to look to the, the minister that they initially really dismissed. They need to look to Yaguchi for some answers because they're not really coming up with a lot of, they're not coming with a lot of solutions. solutions. So they sort of empower Yaguchi with his like band of outsiders to to address this problem it's kind of like they're like the okay you're the oh shit squad and if if all else fails we're gonna look to the oh shit squad for some solutions in a few days here and so you have sort of the presiding minister who's you know keeping keeping a leash on yaguchi he's addressing this room of people and i screen grabbed this with the subtitles and he's like you know we're, we're relying on you guys a crack team of lone wolves nerds troublemakers academic heretics freaks and general pains in the butt of the bureaucracy <laughs> <laughs> just love so much in the middle of this movie that they're just like all right freaks now's your time <laughs> like what do you I how also- are you going to innovate to save japan I also just love setting up that scene because mm-hmm. before that we have all these like perfect conference rooms that everyone's going to. Yes. And then we cut yeah. to them. Everyone wearing the we same don't, suit. We don't know they're doing this yet, but like it's a bunch of people like grabbing all these Xerox <clears throat> machines and like getting <clears throat> folding tables. And like it, it's done in a way that's very neat because of the editing. But yeah. like it's just this like kind of chaotic moment of like putting together crappy shit. and then we meet all the nerds (laughs) yes yes then we see our like hackers 1990 hackers 1995 assemblage of like everybody pile in the phone dooth in the phone booths at like one place and hack the gibson oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and like and the the like people wear you occasionally wear colors in this assemblage of people as well (laughs) like all right freaks just like time time to go but I also love that, like, while there are definitely stars in this group, it's a group effort. Like, it's yeah. not just, yes. you know, here's the lone hero who's going to stop it. Or here's the person with the idea. It's everyone together has different ideas and they mm-hmm. work as a unit. Well, and they yeah, emphasize and they all that. Are, they empathize, emphasize that explicitly at multiple points when they're talking. Like, they make side comments. Like, at one point, they bring in an outside firm to help them, like, crunch these numbers. And they're like, wow, isn't information sharing great? Like, isn't knowledge good? And everybody has a little job and nobody's jockeying for position. They're just all trying to get the thing done together. And they're making note of, like, how great it is when they just get to collaborate and they don't have to worry about hierarchies. Amanda, you were saying something. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's just like, I loved that. 
when you have this group of people, there's no just super genius. There's no one yeah. scientist. It's it truly is. Each person is their their own. They are a scientist with a specialty, and they might and they understand other aspects of what they're talking about. But ultimately, each is bringing their own specialty to it, which I loved because I think that that's. I mean, that's how science works: is that you're specialized in a lot of ways. Um, so I thought that was just like a great aspect that they brought through, and that you also it meant that when you have a huge cast with a lot of different people, yeah. it was easier to track oh okay that's what this like it made it so much easier to track the flow of the movie itself because you're like oh okay i know what the 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 one girl (laughs) that's her her specialty is like biology like i get this now um so i love that aspect of it and i love the fact that they were all just a bunch of like little weirdos (laughs) they all were just really just little oddballs i i could have spent hours just with that group of people yeah it was just it was funny because I we had I put it on after I watched the latest WandaVision. Oh, and it's like where it's where they bring in um, Darcy again, and she's like a I don't I forget some kind of astrologer, <laughs> and and but because she's the main character, it's like oh, okay we we brought in these seven experts in different fields, but she's the famous one, so what? she's figured out everything <laughs> and is now doing these yeah. operations with the FBI, and I'm like why though. Yeah, <laughs> she's an astrologer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I the one here. Who, yeah, like, who dares to step forward and make a declarative statement. I, I really like when the this this felt very. I, I, I love the moment in international films when an American, not because like there needs to be an American character, but when an American character is introduced because it just like seeing those global through lines of how Americans. <laughs> are perceived when they're introduced into a problem or they are the problem uh it's just so just so common and so i love the moment when the the envoy from the states gets there patterson the like beautiful person the beautiful (laughs) woman that they have sent to like assist japan and advance american interests and i there's a moment where the like one of the ministers is talking to the to the pm and they're talking about her and he says um, they're talking about like how you know ambitious and how young she is, and they're like, "Yes, uh, America admirably like prioritizes expertise over age, like youth and expertise over age." And then the- immediately after that, and her father's a senator. It's like there it is, <laughs> there it is. Like United States, we value entrepreneurship and go getterness and meritocracy. Also, her father is a senator. It's like, oh, there we go. There's Patterson's political arc, and she's got that. that. She's she's still she's still competent, but she's oh, very yeah. different. Yeah. And like having her up against uh, Yamaguchi, uh, and like the way. Like contrasting him working really hard yeah. to the point where everyone's like, "You need to shower and change your shirt because you stink." Yeah, and like mm-hmm. she's there when she first arrives. She like gives everyone the information. She's like, "I just came here from a party. Where's Zara?" Yeah, yeah. I need a Zara. <laughs> and they have a moment where like she she stops talking. She said what she needs to say. The camera stays on her while she very overtly like adjusts her bangs to one side mm-hmm. there's like we're just gonna leave her leave it on here a little bit longer because like you said she is competent but she has that like i'm an american get out of my way thing about her like she just sort of swans into every interaction she's in and she contributes and she says valuable things and ultimately like she has a really emotional exchange with Gucci when they're walking when she learns she's like i'm not supposed to be telling you this but fyi the united states is going to 
launch a warhead at Godzilla and that's the plan and it's gonna happen they're evacuating me and there's really no getting out of it and she starts to cry she's like I just like she's like my you know I, I to think of like the homeland of my grandmother being bombed again and she's really emotional about it this is not a zero character she's not just like the American cowboy who comes in and fucks things up and is just a figurehead but I do love that when she is introduced She's capable, but there's also nepotism. And, like, she is helping out, but she's also kind of an asshole. And she's like, I've got design, you know, she's talking to some faceless American official on a plane at some point. And he's like, if you want to be president by the time you're 40, then you're going to have to do X, Y, Z thing. It's like, I think that was her dad. Was Mm -hmm. that her dad? Because it didn't get his name. And I was wondering, okay, so yeah, probably yes, her dad, they grab hands. Um, Good point. And, And just, I like how it seeds the, like, very ambitious, ladder-climbing, swaggering American, but who also is, like, kind of part of the solution, but ultimately has an exchange with Higuchi at the end of the movie where she expresses her designs on being present again, how she thinks he should be the prime minister, and she's like, you would be, like, a perfect counterpart for me in Japan. He's like, oh, you mean a perfect puppet? And it's just like, oh, there's an outline of geopolitical relations right there. Yeah. Yeah, I love that it just cuts there. Like, there's nothing else to be said. It's just, that's how I feel about it. Onto the next. <laughs> yeah, and she kind of like, she kind of rolls her eyes, but not in that way that's like, oh, you asshole. It's like, nah, well played. Like, yeah. she's she's not refuting him in that yeah, moment. She's, she's like, not going right. to deny it. No, yeah. no, it's 100%. <laughs> she's like, yeah, that's kind of why I like it. Like, she's like, we got a good repertoire going, and you know that I'm the boss. Like, you, that 100% is the underlying tone of it. I actually, would it, rem- her character reminded me a lot of, um, is another movie that we watched not too long ago in Ashfall. Ah, yes. Uh, I think that there's a really, like, this is just an interesting kind of reoccurring character that we're getting, which is the American who has roots in another country who kind of starts to realize that their Americanness should not be their main priority, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think is such an interesting character Are you type. talking about and Professor Madong Siak? Yeah. 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 That he, his entire arc eventually becomes that he roots himself back in South Korea again, that he's been denying that he's like, he's not, he's not South Korean. He doesn't, he claims he doesn't speak Korean. Yeah. It's a very, it's Robert. Yeah. yeah, The whole thing. And that's his, and his big character arc um, was that he was American and that he refused to accept that he had anything in him that was South Korean. And then eventually that he kind of accepts and loves and embraces South Korea. And I thought it was so interesting to see that character, that sort of outline again, appear in a different country with a different type of film, but that same sort of thing where it's her pull between being an American and that she starts to, as she spends more time, it becomes the country of my grandmother, the country of my yeah. grandmother. And you, she starts to really feel a connection to it. And I thought that was just such an interesting character type that we're now seeing outside of American cinema mm-hmm. uh, that really kind of, I think, reflects on how America is perceived elsewhere as a sort of that we do sort of take people and remove their their roots mm-hmm. and how valuable those roots end up being for the country itself. That it's sort of almost like a brain drain of of humanity in a lot of ways. That where America is pulling these people away from their country of origin and or their connection to it and therefore it's a thing they need to regain. And I thought that was super interesting coming from, you know, somebody who is American and doesn't have any, like, I mean, I have no attachment to, if someone was like, oh, your attachment to Russia, I'd be like, uh, you mean my great-great-grandparents' country where they fled <laughs> because they were being run down by a bunch of Cossacks? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that one. So it's a very interesting kind of other side of it, even though, again, two totally different countries, but to see that common root of a character type, I thought was interesting. On the, I While I completely love her and how mm-hmm. 
complicated her character is. Mm-hmm. I also just really enjoy the like straw man American scientists. Yes. Oh, yeah. Come in, they're yes. really shitty, and then they yeah. leave and they're like, well, the only solution to this is the miracle of nuclear power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love miracle of nuclear power. Like, and it's as just, they're, it's we so hear that insane. all we see is the backs of their heads as they're walking out a door, and that's their parting line, and we never hear from them again. Nope. Yeah, and, and and again, Jordan, as you and I have often said, the solution so often in American movies is we're going to drop a bomb on it. And I love that for once we're seeing that like, oh, yeah, because they haven't spent any time analyzing anything about the, the creature, the creature's biology, yeah. anything like that. Like the solution they come to of using basically a, a, a coagulant on mm-hmm. the blood is fascinating yeah. and requires study and time and I like love, deliberation. I love the solution. First of yeah. all, at the uh, like as a as a huge action junkie and just wanting to see like monster movies and set pieces and things like that, the scene where they are like we're going to fucking kill it. Like that's what we're going to do. Like he's full Godzilla at this point and they're like they've got the helicopters, they've got the surface to air missiles, they've got the tanks on the ground, they've got everything, they are giving it all, like, Japan might spend its entire ordinance in this one engagement trying to take down Godzilla, and they're like, don't hit the guts, because, like, there's a lot of, like, nuclear shit going on in there, aim for the legs and the head, and just this extended sequence where they are just shooting Godzilla in the head and the legs with everything they've got is so good it's so exciting it looks so cool and when you get those couple close-ups on his face when like the air bombers come in and you just see the missiles like boink like hit his skin and start falling before they finally explode and you just know nothing is gonna work but this barrage of ordinances coming in it is so so awesome and seeing the disappointment when it doesn't work is just like He's well, I God. love how exciting it is, despite the fact that there's no reaction from Godzilla. He's no, just yeah. standing there. Yeah! But like, I think it's the first time, I think partly because it's set up so much like an old Godzilla movie, where like, yeah. here's the tanks over here, here's the planes over here, mm-hmm. here's Godzilla, he's on a plane, that's like an easy place to film. <laughs> and, and then, like, that's when you first hear the music i think that's the first time mm-hmm. the music shows up because he's like it's the first time you're seeing full-size godzilla and then like the tanks are there and it's that setup and it's so exciting and then it's so exciting happens. nothing happens <laughs> and i and i love how that incorporates into the later strategy because i mean this has to be i don't know maybe it's one of the best things that's ever happened in a monster movie but like <laughs> when godzilla finally fights back like stops just like progressing and finally fights back it's because americans have sent in stealth bombers and they're putting i don't know what the biggest fucking thing you can hit is you can drop is that's not a nuclear warhead but it's probably that and they are dropping these obscene explosives onto godzilla and we see like it one hits a couple hit his back and like blood explodes out like it fucks him up and yeah so in yeah, reaction he reacts to anything anything it's the first time anything like you see all. him do yeah yep and it is, I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 it's a cooler version. It's a more interesting version of what we see in, in King of the Monsters when 
Godzilla goes nuclear and there's, you know, his body is just like radiating nuclear into like, oh my God, he's going to go critical. And you get that amazing buildup sequence where he's fighting, where he's fighting Ghidorah and you hear like, I cannot wait for Godzilla versus Kong just for that microwave sound that Godzilla makes when he's about ready to explode, <laughs> that wow, 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 buildup. Well, basically that version of the, it, like the Shin Godzilla version of that happens in this movie where he starts like heating up, the reactor gets going and you see him start glowing purple and he shoots out like a fucking party array of green, of purple lasers out of his body. Just like these straight lasers shooting up into the air. And as he Mm -hmm. moves around, they're just destroying everything, everything in their path. And he starts like spewing. I mean, you get that great like high pitched like scream of radiation energy, like the laser energy coming out of his mouth. And when he opens his mouth and he just starts annihilating rounds of buildings indiscriminately. And that's another different, like that's much more in line with this Godzilla than like reactive Godzilla who grabs, you know, a kaiju opens its throat and like sprays Godzilla fire down it to fucking kill it and takes its head off kind of thing. Like, this is just him waving around erratically, like, I will annihilate threat. I will annihilate threat. Just completely reactive biology. And then he's screaming that laser out of his mouth, which eventually turns to fire. And the fire... I, I think it starts as fire. Yes. Oh, yeah. you're right. You're right. Because, yeah, like, he starts screaming, and he's, like, he's all bent over, and the fire yep. comes out of his mouth. Oh, my God. And, like, the fire starts to, like, it goes from this giant, like, fire hose. Yes. You yeah. know, big stream that gets thinner and thinner and thinner and then turns into the purple laser beam yeah and it's so good because it's like it starts off and it's like oh okay i know what godzilla does he yeah. has like this radioactive fire breath and then it's like what is happening yeah <laughs> it's like it's a huge just like just screaming oh shit over and over again and the way yeah. the fire billows out of his mouth and just like engulfs the streets of the city before like the screaming high-pitched laser comes out and then he eventually like that he's expended all of his internal i i, I love how so much of this movie is, is spent in like it's second going into third acts where Godzilla's just a big mannequin. He's just a big yeah. mannequin standing in the middle of the city because he's spent all of his energy and now he has to recuperate. And it's not, they can't they can't hurt him, but that's when they're like the freeze plan. They're like, we're gonna get the blood coagulant in there because the blood coagulant like works to like his blood is like a fundamental yeah. part of his cooling system works to keep him alive. Well, we're gonna we're gonna stop his blood inside of his body so he can't function. And so there's so many, they get so many days. I feel like when you watch an American movie like this, everything happens in 72 hours. This is yeah. probably the course of like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like this is like a yeah, multi-week. Prog- yeah, because there's yeah. the whole first part of it. And then as soon as they learn that the U.S. government is going to bomb Godzilla, like going to drop a warhead on him, they're like, you have two weeks to evacuate everybody. It's not like we need to do this in two hours, everyone. You have two weeks to evacuate everybody. That I, yeah. I, I found it interesting too that part where Godzilla like does his blast and then he's frozen. There's all this other kind of war imagery too, like everyone underground blitz style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then there's just like Godzilla as this unexploded bomb in the middle of the city and like what yeah. do you do about it? Yeah. Where yeah. It's just more of this kind of like post war and just people being bombarded kind of imagery. That is yeah. dripping nuclear contaminant. 
like that's right. That's they're right. Tra- like <laughs> he gives off he gives off radiation by himself because he's nuclear powered. But they also make that mention of like he's he's frozen still. And they're like he's dripping nuclear waste from his mouth. But so far, like that isn't giving off a ton of a ton of energy that like we need to worry about. And that too, like once he once they activate him again to enact their final stretch of the plan, he starts radiating more and more nuclear energy. And so you see these like thermal graphs of the city where a nuclear plume is coming off of Godzilla washing over the city. And like you said, it's just this it's this ordinance that is, you know, such an effective callback to the original and the like. The, the point of the original and there was in our write-up for that Fort in 100 scares we have Godzilla stomping through Tokyo and there was a line that the writer Bilgo Beery pulled out where he said a quote from the movie is uh the 1954 one Godzilla's no different from the H-bomb still hanging over Japan's head and that is exactly what the beast is in his frozen state he's just the H-bomb yeah. hanging over the city as a as a menace which yeah. is cool and scary I just yeah. want to say really quick, you said the writer, Bill Gaberry. You should have said friend of the pod, Bill Gaberry. Friend, of, friend sure. of the pod. Past and future guest, Bill Gaberry. Yes, yes. <laughs> friend of the pod. Premier, premier disaster diva, Bill Gaberry. Absolutely, yes. Got to plug the brand. Yeah. <laughs> I know, we really don't drop friend of the pod as a phrase. I feel like that is probably, like, I'm surprised that that doesn't get us booted off of iTunes, honestly. Our lack of use of yeah, that as a term. It's actually a requirement. They do yeah. They do have a minimum. They just haven't been tracking. Oh, thank God. <laughs> We're on the We're radar still, now. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah, when they when with Godzilla, when he just like when they give a timeline of how much time they've got to get the plan in action and it was they had 10 days. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things because it was the only time where you're not like we've discussed before in other movies where like how did they travel by sub yeah. all the way What was the movie that what was what's the movie where they traveled by sub all the way to the Marianas Trench? Oh um, yeah. to drop yeah, I had to drop nuclear bombs into it um, to stop. It was a, it was a bad. It was a made for TV one, but it was well, the yeah. Fact that, in in Wandering Earth, they drive yeah. from like Shanghai right down to like the in like Indonesia in like yeah, uh, fifteen it's minutes, twelve like, hours. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Time the the way that wormholes work in these films, and <laughs> then instead this, we're like yeah. Production of this much and of this much coagulant yeah. with that many companies would take that long. And the fact that we've got ten days and it still feels tense, and that they need to fantastic. negotiate for twenty four more hours with the PM yeah. of Japan and the president of yeah. France, and they're still like, we need more time. It's I love that. I love that it takes it. This movie as absurd and go- like I love the fact they've taken basically all the absurdity and then put it into a real world situation and it stays absurd. The fact that 10 days, they're given two weeks to evacuate. And meanwhile, I also love that they're like, we we can't, you know, the US is off there. All these countries are offering to help us rebuild afterward. And they're like, well, what if we just don't? And they're like, well, we can't stay shut down because we'll default on all our loans. And I'm sitting there at home like, Oh, that is how this would work, even though yeah. all these countries are offering to pay them money later that they wouldn't be like, well, but hold on. Yeah. Your imaginary money that you owe us, yeah. you still owe us the imaginary money and we'll hold you to it if you don't let us later on help you rebuild with the real money. It's fucking absurd, but it is also 100% how it works. And I'm saying that you're sitting there yelling, just let them default on the loans and forgive them. Well, it's and not worth it for human lives and they I don't wanna, care. No, no. I want to shout out two characters who like, are kind of made fun of but come through at the end one is the the new pm so like 
at one yes. point, yeah. every the, single yeah, the person like, agriculture who the becomes a prime yeah. minister. It's the plot of Designated Survivor, but without Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so yeah, everyone at one, like all the old guard yeah. gets blowed up at one point. Yeah. And they like, the minister of agriculture becomes the PM. And when you first meet him, everyone's kind of yelling in his direction because obviously they are. Mm-hmm. And he's just this like old man. And he so looks mild. at his bowl of noodles and says, the noodles have gone soggy. And he's like, "This I knew this job would be hard because his noodles are <laughs> soggy, not because of, like, Godzilla. Yeah. And he says, and, like, I think he says even, like, end. he's like, I knew this job would be hard, but this? It's like, <laughs> I know I'm dealing with a lot of shit, but this is a bridge too far. But my noodles. Yeah. But, you know, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then at the end, like, he comes through with getting the French PM. Like, yeah. or president or whatever. Um, I don't know what French does, that the French yeah. do. Like, they have Yeah, I, right? I think it's, I, yeah. I think he's the French president, yes. Okay. Well, but, and then uh, he initially, too, when they come to him to plead for more time, he's initially like, nope, UN signed off, that's what's going on. And then they talk to him for, like, a minute longer. Yeah. And the, the minister who's been overseeing Yaguchi and his team is like, you know, perhaps it's time for Ch- for Japan to do as it's please as it pleases. And he's like, you mean Japan like making choices for Japan instead of other people making choices for Japan? Yeah, you're right. And like very calmly, like there's no like, ah, I've got my groove back kind of moment. He's just like, no, all right, you're right. Let's get let's yeah. get one more day in there. Yeah. It's it well, it's he's just he's such a welcome change and probably more I mean way more on par with what actual bureaucrats who are like ministers of whatever department are (laughs) where he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be prime minister he Mm -hmm. wants to be the agricultural guy like he doesn't want he wants to be able to eat his noodles in peace and i love that he's there's never a moment where he becomes like oliver platt and suddenly is like power hungry (laughs) yeah and wants and wants to be prime minister forever and he's gonna make himself king and he will be the godzilla of prime ministers (laughs) yeah Well, I think the thing that really sells that turn later is when he's going through, like, more of this UN stuff. It's, like, clearly just Japan getting battered more. Yeah. yeah. And he's just there, like, this is not how I want to be remembered. Like, he's just so sad that this is happening. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I have no choices here, but it's my fault. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I'm going to be the I'm going to be the prime minister that okayed the second drop of a nuclear bomb on Japan the third yeah the third the the third in yeah the third third bomb like second cataclysmic incident uh who said yes I will I will nuke this the only country that has been nuked I will do it again and that the bargain is an international coalition being like oh my god we're here for you we're gonna help you build we're gonna Mm -hmm. help you come back on the condition that you let the United States nuke you Sound yeah. okay? Like, yeah. that's not a, that's actually not a choice. Like, they, they, it, it's the illusion right. of a choice being put um, to this country that I'm sure was given <laughs> the illusion of a choice many times throughout its history. Yeah. Uh, the other guy I wanted to call out was, um, I don't remember his name, because there's so many characters in this. Mm, but yeah. He's the kind of, like, hody bureaucratic guy who's yes. with Yaguchi's team. The one who's friends with Yaguchi. Who just constantly talks about like, yeah, I want to like make sure I'm in the right position and people will give me better jobs. But as soon as like there's a time where a bureaucratic guy can do something, where like mm-hmm. someone who knows the system and is good with the system, yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm on it. 
Yeah. yeah I love that. I love that yeah. like, there's even there's even times where it's like, yeah, we also need people like him because yes. he knows the system. And there, there's that moment where, like, Yaguchi, who is by, like, who is the closest sort of thing we have to a hero who leads, like, the band of freaks to get this job done. Like, he even has a moment where after the the head of the government has been wiped out by Godzilla's back lasers. And so they have to, you know, bring people back together. So many have died. And he, like, he yells at a guy who's kind of, like, listing off all these people. And he's like, you can't come apart now. He's getting really mad at him. And that bureaucrat is like, hey, you need to calm down first. And just gives him a bottle yeah. of water. That guy doesn't lose his cool. Yeah the entire movie he is yeah. mission focused and yeah. like is ambitious but his ambition does not supersede his like recognition of the common good in this extraordinary situation yeah as a yeah. character he could entirely just spend this entire movie looking at his blackberry and typing while delivering lines of dialogue and yeah. that would have been a hundred percent like i love that he knew when they're like we need a guy we need we need to buy more time we need to get a not that we need to buy more time, that we need to get the supercomputer. And he's like, oh, I know it. Like, I know a guy for this thing and this thing. He knows yeah. a guy. And that's exactly what his job is, is to know people. And I yeah. love that. <laughs> he's a fixer. He's a fixer. Yeah. 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 I, I love that, like, that they made a place for a character like that, where yeah. he's just seemingly useless until it's like, oh, I need to get through this red tape. Mm -hmm. Well, and it, it kind of like, because they, he... There, like, there's this sort of, there's the sense of like with the old guard politicians that they're they're just doing what they do because they've always done it, and that they mm -hmm. like being in power, and that the system works for them, and so they keep the system comfortable, and that's kind of their whole deal. And it's like, hey, you know, we just keep things at a din. Um, we don't necessarily try and make them better. We just make sure they don't get worse. And then you have Yaguchi, who like is target, who is named for his ambition. Like, oh, so you want to be prime minister? And he's like, not now. He's like maybe in 10 years. I like that it makes ambition something that can drive you toward positive. It's like thinking of if, you know, AOC really wanted to be president one day. I'm, you know, there are many things that come with power that are attractive, but the way, the sort of vigor that she brings to the office at the moment, it's like, oh, you mean that ambition can translate into doing the right things also? Like, I want to leverage what I know and I want to ruthlessly get to the top so I can make an egalitarian Japan. Like, it, like the idea that ascending to a, a place of power does not have to be an inherently toxic, shitty thing. It's a hopeful thing. It, it's a hopeful suggestion. Yeah. And even... Even just going into like the hopefulness of how this government is, like all the yeah. people in it, like, like at the end, Yaguchi's like, okay, so what are we doing now? And it's like, oh, the PM and his entire cabinet resigned because they like weren't voted in, and we're gonna have real elections again. Yeah, in like two weeks. Mm -hmm. and, like, and he like, I think he's debating. Nice. <laughs> I think he's debating resigning with them, right? Because then he has that conversation with Patterson where she, where they're both kind of like. No, like now's not the time to quit. Like now, like it's when he's like looking at frozen Godzilla in the distance. He's like, no, 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 no. Now's not the time to go. Now's not the time to quit. Like, okay, I am going to double down and I'm going to, I'm going to stay. I think it was a little bit too of like, uh, I like that scene partly because he was talking about like, oh, I need to own all the things that went bad and like all yeah. people who died. Yeah. And she's just there like, he killed it, whatever. Yeah. But like yeah. then, <laughs> yeah. I think part of it too is like, I can't. I, I can own it while still continuing to do the work. Like, I can't just feel bad for myself. And yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that brings us to, like, our, con like, we can talk about, like, the conclusion where, like, they, they, they decide 
that like the oh, the way to get the coagulant into the the mouth of Godzilla is he's not started moving yet. But they know he's going to do it soon. So, like, what we need him to do, because he's almost fully recharged, we need him to expend as much energy as possible so he has to go into another dormant phase. So they're going to do another full blitz on Godzilla just to get him to react. Like, fucking spray lasers out of your mouth, out of your back, fire, whatever. Like, they, the so, they're, like, launch six sorties of drones at him. There's the train bombs. Send in the train bombs. The train bombs? I love <laughs> so much because like the the physics of it like the physics engine they used on it is so insane like there's just trains going everywhere but like the trains fly up straight up his body at one point and i'm like yeah sure that is how those that's how bullet trains work as far as i understand i don't understand how any of their fat we don't have that kind of mass transit here why can't bullet trains fly well i mean they hit his body and they're explosives they yeah. hit its body and it just it like it forces when one explodes it forces the rest of them to start exploding up behind him I so just it just becomes it. dozens upon dozens of trains exploding into Godzilla's yep. legs and they they like work him into the exact spot they want to get him and they've also placed targeted charges in buildings where they want to get Godzilla to and they get him there so they set off these targeted charges and they basically bury him in buildings and they send in like dozens and dozens of tanker tr- like you see these tanker trucks flying and they're like raising their hoses dramatically into the air to like point into the mouth of Godzilla and they fill him with blood coagulate. Yeah. Yeah, I love how dramatic they were able to make this like, we're just going to slow down this monster. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's the whole plan. We are going to slow him down. We're going to lay down. And I think, what do they call the, they call the, um, the trucks with the, uh, with the tubing, with the hoses, Hydra Slayers. Send in the Hydra Slayers. (laughs) and yeah and they like so they get him down they fill him with coagulant they've spent like half their resources he gets up and starts moving again so they bring him down again Mm -hmm. and then they bring in the second wave of trucks and they 100% spend the coagulant and then he gets up again you're like oh fuck it didn't work but then he takes like two Godzilla steps forward and like full T2000 in the like the liquid nitrogen frozen frozen in place creating the godzilla monument in the middle of tokyo an amazing an amazing conclusion that has again not like this movie does not exist like in in contrast to american movies it is its own property international cinema is its own thing Mm -hmm. but i just can't help but like feeling the reflexive things of what i feel like i'm supposed to see and there's the moment like they do it they fucking do it and nobody does anything (laughs) everybody yeah. in charge is just like okay it worked <sighs> yeah good there thing there was no moment where everyone cheered no couples there's no, kissed there's no wide yeah. shot into mm-hmm. the Houston control room where mm-hmm. everybody ah, and like papers and pencils are flying yeah. and men are hugging and button downs and screaming and high-fiving with one stoic nope. general who's just like yeah. shaking his head it's just we everybody being like, that, like yeah Gucci and Patterson had like sexual tension the whole time yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, they don't finally embrace in, like, a torrid nope. makeout session. It is the most muted mission accomplished you could possibly have. When the, thinking of the idea of vanquishing an actual fucking monster that no one's ever seen on Earth. Yeah. And that there's also the, I do have to shout out this great moment in the movie where someone's like, we don't know what to call it. We don't know what to call it. And then they're like, Godzilla. And no, you're like, oh, he's- this movie takes place in a universe where there's never been Godzilla. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's that it's that he, the original scientist whose boat we found in the yeah, beginning, yeah. had named it Godzilla, and there and and there and all of the people like really that's what he went with. There's Japanese characters for it, yeah. so I guess we're calling well, him Gojira. He, he had written both because yeah. he was a Japanese uh, expatriate yeah. living in America, mm-hmm. and so and yeah, he had the, he had written the characters for it, but they're all like, mm. yeah. So he had like he had I I thought it was weird because because I had just rewatched Godzilla mm-hmm. 2014. That in this one, it was like this Japanese guy living in America who had kind of like renounced Japan mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. like Japan failed his wife mm-hmm. and he had given it this American name. So the first time you hear Godzilla's name, it's Godzilla. It's not Gojira. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's funny in the 2014 one is the first time you hear his name, it's Ken Watanabe. Yes. And he's like, the name is Gojira. And then Gojira. everyone else just says Godzilla with yeah. like no prompting, which I think mm-hmm. is so funny. Like they're like, Ken you're Japanese, you need to say it like this. And it's just this bizarre thing where... like they I just remember that moment from off. the trailer of Ken Watanabe's incredible Ken Watanabe voice. Incredible, yeah. just Gojira. Like, that was, that was like an anchor moment in the trailer for that movie. Oh, yeah, like, you're gonna... Uh, you can tell when moments are gonna be trailer moments, and that's <laughs> one of them. <laughs> And then I think when they're when they're announcing it in the press conference, like they're even when they say like Godzilla, they're even they're like, well, that's a stupid name. We'll say we'll you know we'll say the it's what the Americans gave us. Like, and yeah. everyone's like, okay, good, thank God. I I like that. There's this weird moment too where Patterson, like in that first meeting where they get the name, she's like, well, it's it's godlike, which is probably why he gave it this name. It's it's mm-hmm. like this, you know. She's like pulling a word out. Was like, sure, why not. Yeah. yeah. Like they just decided to figure out why America did this. <laughs> I, I love it. And it improves more and more as we as we live our own uh, disaster here in America that I guess this is just what happens. Like, I feel like many people have talked about like, man, that scene with all those people on the rooftop in Independence Day actually feels fucking real now. And the scene of the, the meteor partiers in Greenland and just the one little tiny moment in this movie where there's like a wide shot over the city and there is like assemblage of protesters out there screaming like Godzilla is like Godzilla is God protect Godzilla. Like the <laughs> Godzilla cult has been mm-hmm. born in this time and they're like preserve protect Godzilla. We worship Godzilla. It's like yeah, that's exactly what would happen. And even in the extremely low-key sci-fi movie, like, Aniara, Anira, that came out, a, a not last year, a couple years ago, like, really moody space apocalypse movie, could not be more low-key. Absolutely a cult of the ship emerges when, like, the ship is all they have and they're going to die on it. So there becomes, like, a cult recognizing the ship as a god. It's like, yeah, that is 100% what happens. Immediately. I, I really liked the... So going all the way back, after... Uh, fetus Godzilla, whatever it is, yeah. Godzilla goes back into the water, and we're on to the news the next day. Yeah, and people are just kind of like hanging out outside, yeah. looking at their phones. Yeah, and I was like, "There's like major 9/11 vibes here," because I I lived in New York. That's where I grew up, so right. that's where I was yeah. then. And it, mm-hmm. it was very accurate to that. Like, oh, this thing happened, but we still have to go to work today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it was that. That was the weirdness of like I was thinking about, um, you know, when we were when a few weeks ago when there was almost an insurrection, and like That's I mean, was, there was, yeah, there, there was. was. I mean, yeah, there was an ins- there was a failed insurrection. There was a, there was an insurrection, but I was sitting there and I I work customer service for a jewelry company, and I'm like watching it all on my iPad. I'm like, oh my god, I'm watching, but I have to keep answering questions about where these people's packages are. 
And like, at what point do my bosses get to say, we can stop answering calls now, guys. Maybe we all need to watch the news. Uh huh. Um, and so that aspect of it and the fact that everyone was like, well, okay, everyone, a bunch of people died, but the monster's gone back into the water. So I guess we're cool now. Like there's just a monster off the coast. I was like, wow. Yeah. So I guess there's just a monster off the coast really is just the, <laughs> the theme of 2020 and 2021 is go back to life. There's just a monster off the coast. New normal happens extremely fast. Yeah. It was, extremely it was extremely fast. Yeah. <laughs> Which yikes. But do we, do we feel like we have covered sufficiently the reality index to move on into our next segment of what this movie was really about. I think so. Cause yeah, like given that there was a big monster, everything else felt real. Like how people yeah. would react to yeah. it. You're exactly right. Like when you move the goalpost to Kaiju, everything else starts to, every, even if other <laughs> things felt very bizarre without it, it also like is so fixated on just the minutia of government work that it like, it, yes, it, it yeah. felt very just, it, it felt like an office drama at so many points. If if anything, I would say it's slightly hopeful about, like, all people in government. It is! Yes. No, I do agree. It, it, like, it's an it gets better kind of campaign about government. Like, hey guys, yeah. there's a faction in there that's really trying to get it done. That can be your New Zealand president if you let them. <laughs> right, there, there weren't as many people who were like, Ah, but the economy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, at least the people who were doing that were like, either it was a side note or it was just, okay, our country's totally tanked now. And yeah. this is notable. Yeah. This is notable. And and too, like, even when they're like the scene where they do, they, they're going to try and take out Godzilla, but they're, they're civilians. I absolutely, in an American movie, there would have been one, there would have been somebody on the defense side that would have been like, it doesn't matter, it's worth the cost. But there's nobody in this movie that's like, Mm -hmm. you're right, lives don't matter. Lives don't matter. Like, everybody is really upset about every decision they have to make. There's no, like, ubiquitous, there's no, like, gratuitously hardline weapons person who's like it doesn't matter we're thinking about the future of japan like kill six million people now save 10 million later like there's no that so i would actually argue that we just don't see them on screen but that's the role america plays in this because i'm saying like in the terms of the government structure that we are witness to as our is our protagonists in japan that's not fair But we, yeah, but we do have, because America wants the body of Godzilla, presumably so that it can then use Godzilla to understand its nuclear power better because it's a very efficient system. Yeah, and, and, take, and yeah. weaponry. Yeah, exactly. And get the weaponry. Exactly. So it, they don't need that internally because they've got that in the form of this sort of the 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 American government off screen, which we only hear about and never see, but just whatever Patterson's like, but America wants control of the body. Mm-hmm. Patterson's very clear on every single time that the terms are we will help you we will save you but we want the body so we don't need to have anybody in the Japanese government who plays that role of like we got to bomb them they, we don't need that that antagonist sure but I don't yeah. like it's a question of need or not I don't I haven't watched enough Japanese cinema to determine what that archetype exists like in Japanese cinema right. whereas I know in American cinema that is something that is fundamentally a part of the of the composition of these war room looks is somebody who says that human life isn't actually worth it. It is the Oliver Platt. Like, yeah. whereas... Yeah. It's, yeah, you, you need someone who's, like, doing an insane patent, like, yeah. impression. Yeah. 
and just sort of yelling about war. You know, I just find it fascinating that like in America, so in American films, we don't have that external, there is never going to be an external force that plays that role. So we have it as an internal force versus here where you can have it as an external force. And so you don't need, like it just narratively, it's an interesting thing that there isn't a need in the same way. And so it's just a really interesting, like as, as a writer, I find that really interesting. I mean, even, even even apart from need, even apart from need though, I don't know what the, I don't, I would be curious to know for Mm -hmm. people who have watched far more Japanese cinema than me, whether or not that's a common archetype that was not deployed in this movie that otherwise would have been there versus no, we just don't really have that character. Like we don't mm-hmm. have the gun nut. Like there like even like you watch a you watch enough South Korean disaster movies and I feel like not disaster movies, um like action movies, crime thrillers. And there are as many fights, if not more, that I've seen without guns, even present at all, as there are like with guns, like throwing in cops and law enforcement. But like so many more action scenes in Southeast Asian cinema revolve around hand-to-hand combat than I feel like with the utter absence of guns then I feel like there the idea of a combat scene in American cinema fully without guns isn't a language we speak like even though you have the stave who is awesome who like can you know annihilate anybody on screen the idea of a fight scene without presence of guns an entire like infinite bad guys pouring through the doors kind of construction without guns isn't really something we do here so I'm curious to know how that exists in the cultural conversation in cinema there. Like, do they have the archetype of the, like, kill everybody at all costs character when, like, they're not as militarized of a state as we are in general for historical reasons. But, like, the the particular culture of, like, bloodthirst in that way is very, is a very American thing. Hence the role that we play in this movie, but I would be consider- I'd be curious if it was something that didn't appear because of the external force or if it's something that didn't appear because that's just not part of the conversation. I also think that I just can't, I just can't think of like Japanese movies I've seen where it focuses on government and bureaucracy the way this sure. does. Cause I can think of like, Oh, there's like Yakuza, mm-hmm. but like, that's pretty easy to be like, Oh, these criminals that run like prostitution rings and drug yeah. running in a country that's like, much more strict about drugs like yeah, yeah you could show them as bloodthirsty yeah yeah that that yeah the paint paint the criminal element as the the bloodthirsty bad guy but it also wouldn't have like in this movie because the whole thing is about the inaction and indecision of the government like you mm-hmm. can't have that character because that character is way too proactive that character wants to be like forget all the rules that character goes around the rules and orders the strike without authorization mm-hmm. so it doesn't mm-hmm you can't have that character in this kind of a movie because the whole thing is about how everybody goes by the rules and the rules are actually hamstring the whole operation. Which is, which in a meta con, in a, in a larger context though, if that is part like this movie's emphasis on that as a Japanese film seems to be a a send up or a, a look at the way that Japanese bureaucracy specifically hamstrings itself and the way it is, you know, Japan isn't afforded the privilege of doing as it pleases. And when, Yaguchi says something about Japan doing as it pleases. Patterson says in response to him, Japan's not an easy place to do that. So with the emphasis on rules and procedure, that further makes me wonder if that character exists as an archetype generally in Japanese cinema instead of something that was just left out here for other device reasons because they had it externally. I feel like the whole I'm 
hamstrung by my culture and can't act on my desires is a mm-hmm. much bigger thing in Japanese culture. Like you're gonna see that a lot more. Like the mm-hmm. entire point of like movie uh Shall We Dance is mm-hmm. there's this mm-hmm. guy who like learns how to dance and like that's just so shameful. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that's the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. Right. And his wife like thinks that he's cheating on her because he's going to these dance lessons. <laughs> The, yeah, no, the, the is dance. damning power of dance. <laughs> well, it's just that, like, he's doing this thing for himself, yeah. and he's, like, yeah. hiding it because it's shameful, and there's, like, this bit at the end where his daughter has to, like, force him to dance with his wife, but it's super awkward because, like, expressing that kind of emotion is right. so not something they do. Right, and, like, and it's clear yeah. that government officials in this movie who express emotion are quickly, like, sorry, I, yeah. I just got worked up. I Going back to, like, the bureaucracy, one of my favorite things that they do to show that is the number of times in quick edits that people have to say the same thing to each other to pass down, like, information. So it's, like, you have, like, five guys calling each other to say the same thing, but then, like, two people in the room with the prime minister, like, the military head has to say it to, like, whatever that woman is, and the woman says it, and she's the final one before the prime minister. And they go through that, like, 20 times. Yeah, over and over. They say it over and over again, the same thing. It's so good and so fast that, like, you don't notice it unless you're looking for it. It's not, like, heavy-handed. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I That was such a wonderful texture to this movie. <laughs> and it does it so well without... It doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like, okay, we got the point. Like, it's being belabored. It just feels like such a, a reality of how this works that it's like, oh, yeah, well, they have to ask again. You just immediately understand very quickly, like, oh, these are the rules of engagement here. Yeah, and it's, I think it's because, like, they edit it so fast that it feels like you're ramping up to an exciting moment, as opposed to, like, being bogged down in bureaucracy. But it's, like, it's both, right? Like, you're yeah. doing both, and it's so good that he's able to do both yeah. with this, like, weird parody situation. And I would really love, I would love uh, Shin Godzilla 2, because as the final, final, final shot of the movie shows us, it, like, travels up Godzilla's tail frozen Godzilla's tail and you see at the very tip of it the because they mention it being able to reproduce independently and that it can like colonize the whole world and you see on the tip of Godzilla's tail that he has started hatching like it looks like almost human Godzilla hybrids there are these very like um almost alien like as in the movie alien like xenomorph-esque creatures that have popped out of the tail like human skeletal system with like monster mouth and like huge like spines of like bone like thin bones coming out of their back and you see that it was frozen right in the moment where its evolution was about to progress further and it would start to reproduce and shed all these tiny monsters into japan it looks awesome yeah (laughs) it looks so awesome the next one is gonna be shin ultraman I am so excited for Shin Ultraman. <laughs> that trailer came out this week and I was like, oh my God, sign me up times a thousand. This looks awesome. I know. I've like barely seen any Ultraman. I'm just like, I'm down. Yeah, yeah I no, 100% I've never seen no Ultraman. I've seen yeah. no Ultraman. I was like, well, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting the cultural resurgence that Ultraman's had just in the last couple of years. Like hmm. all of a sudden Ultraman has started to be everywhere. Uh, uh, and maybe it's like the company freed up licensing or something, you know, it's like maybe it's something like that. Now. It's finding like, me now. All of a sudden it's like, there's, there's, you know, shows on Netflix. There's this movie. There's the, you know, like 
all the comic book at Marvel. Like, there's all of these different Everything's Ultraman things up just Ultraman. happening in like a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy. All right. So, guys, does that take us into uh, what was this movie really about? Yes. After this brief word from our sponsors. Folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the cinematic achievement that is the 2001 classic Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and to filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly 100% water-based inks, and they ship with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I dot com. Let's watch more movies. Now, Jordan, there's there's some new products up on the, yeah, the Super Yaki store. There are some new products up, and maybe by the time you get this, uh, the opportunity will have passed, because this past week, this past Friday, there was a drop of, uh, the January drop of Super Yaki included Simple Favor and Paul Feig merch. Yes. Uh, shirts Friend of the a, pod, Paul Feig. Past and future elite, guest, Paul Feig. Oh, elite God. disaster elite. diva, Paul Feig. <laughs> um... And the, the, you know, shirt, there's a shirt that says a Paul Feig film. There are two variants on a simple favor should have won an Oscar. There's a tribute to Bridesmaids that has the whole woman on the wing churning butter speech printed on the back of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. A lot of it sold out. And then there are doing, they're doing more pre-orders through the weekend. I don't know how much longer that will extend, but if there are leftovers, you should check out the Feig line drop at Super Yaki. Uh, I obviously have a couple pieces, and I love them. And, Limited edition uh, collector's I, series. I Look, if, recently, it's, if it's selling out that quick, this is going to be a, a hot item to get back. <laughs> so I recently, actually last night, used our used our special custom code, Disaster Diva. Disaster Diva! Disaster Diva, the custom code for Super Yaki, to order myself a uh, ringer, t- uh, a baseball shirt that says, let Diego Luna p- touch Jabba the touch Jabba. Touch Jabba. Touch Jabba. Hell yeah. Let I love touch him. Diego Luna just to touch Jabba. And then, of course, a Paul Feig film. Because you got to rep the friends of the pod. And you so, do. You know, you do. what yep. better way than to have <laughs> for a Paul, P- a Paul Feig pod, a fall Paul, Paul Feig. Pub. I can't Paul do P- it. I can't P- say P- that. P- a, Paul Feig, a, fall, a Paul Feig. Wow, this one is tying Amanda up. I can't do it. But the point being, I'm repping, I'm repping the premier disaster diva Paul Feig. I cannot wait to wear it while recording this podcast. Great. Oh, yes. Yeah. We'll Superyaki.com. Use the code disaster diva. Disaster diva. We'll yes. be wearing it. So that takes us into, and there's so, there's so much rich tapestry yeah. here. Um, what is this movie really about? Who wants to start? I can start. Who wants to kick it off? Let's get. Do you want to start, Erica? Um, or I, I, mean, I can. I, I can go and like grease the wheels, however you prefer. Jordan, why don't you start it I, off? I'm just. Like, I'm just wondering what we haven't already said. Right. Well, well, <laughs> right. I'm gonna, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna emphasize. For me, what this movie was really about. What this movie is really about is the old, like, government as we have imagined it. Um, Japan is an older country than the United States of America, but at government, how it operates and as we imagine it with these sort of like aging, aging, aging men 
um, probably straight, um, well, certainly cis, uh, populating the upper ranks of ruling a place are so representative of times that do not exist anymore. It's like relying only on the institutional knowledge of these people who've been around for ages is truly holding back progress. And the idea of isolating out new guard government excluding QAnon people who should be fucking banned from serving in public office, um, ruling out new guard government or marginalizing or treating them like they're just sort of interns or these rebels that um, you you look to only in like specialized circumstances only hurts, uh, only hurts any given country. And uh, this movie does such a tremendous job of showing how like the old ungreased gears of just people who are career politicians are definitely actively fucking us because like, as they say, like this whole government part of like why they're resigning is because they are taking responsibility for what happened. And there's such an emphasis throughout the movie on how we didn't take action soon enough. And it could have saved people's lives. Like we spent so much time in the bureaucracy of this, the outset we, and people keep, everybody keeps saying, well, we have no precedent. We have no precedent. It's like, yes, but our delay killed people. And there's a part where during one of the hallway walk and talks, they're, they're lamenting about like the, the tiny things of bureaucracy that they have to fulfill. And somebody says like, oh, come on. Like, don't you love red tape? It's the foundation of democracy. Like it calls out that this is like, it, they're joking about how bad red tape is because like, hey, it's the foundation of democracy. And I feel like any country insert democracy here to add that scene and it would kind of be the same thing. So I think it is a movie about embracing the fact that countries do are are not what they were when they're like founding documents and their their books of laws were written and that we need to update our thinking of what our citizenry is and what it needs and what it demands and change our doctrines of laws to more accurately and our processes to more accurately reflect how today's world operates as opposed to like saying I'm a con in the state saying like, I'm a constitutionalist. I support the original document of the constitution. It's like that was written hundreds of fucking years ago when there was eight people in the United States and it was 13 original colonies. And we're in a globalized world with 50 states and more than 300 million people. And maybe the original language of the constitution written by a bunch of fucking white racists isn't exactly the blessed doctrine that we need today. So it is about in not necessarily out with the old, regard for the old, but in with the new and allow for a more rapid emergence of new points of view. That is what Shin Godzilla is about to be. Tyrade. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we've talked about that, but that is my elaboration on that specific point. Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually don't think that it, I, I don't have a, what is this movie really about? Because to me, in the, right? like, because what the Godzilla movies in general have always done so well and what this carries on the tradition of um, is that the movie is about subtext. Like there mm -hmm. isn't, I don't have to be like, oh, the Godzilla, it's the movie is about the ways that bureaucracy can hamstring Totally. You know, I don't have to have that. I don't have to have the Godzilla's actually about our fears about nuclear bombs. Because guess what? Godzilla is about the Japanese, like, recovery from and the lasting trauma of nuclear bombs. That's what it is. Yes. So, and that's why Godzilla as a, as a, you know, kind of premier top tier disaster genre in and of itself is so powerful. Because with so many of our other, like, we created this category... Because so many other disaster movies, as we watch them, 
don't have that subtext. <laughs> don't you know? don't know what they're about. Yeah, they don't have like they're about the thing. And like there might be like in the case of Volcano, sure it was a little bit they thought it was a movie about healing healing Los Angeles from racism, but it wasn't <laughs> yes. about healing Los Angeles from racism. It just fucking wasn't. Um and so that is a thing that th- that these movies do so well is that they're about something much more and much deeper and they're about human fears in a very visceral tangible way. Um so Anything I would add to it would just be a kid playing, you know, dress up. There you go. So, Erica, what do you think? Uh, well, I guess, um, I mean, one thing would be like generational trauma mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. like, you know, it gets, I love how, as the threat of being nuked again comes mm-hmm. in, like, that's when people start acting viscerally. Yeah. yeah, like up until then, they're they're responding to situations, you know, like as logically as they can, or trying to think it through. Mm-hmm. And then the moment nukes come in, like even the American Japanese character yeah. is like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, right. Like anyone and it shows the any archival. It shows archival images of yeah. bombed out cities yeah. of, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Like it even there's that brief cutaway where it's like, and this is what we're talking. But it's like, oh fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, there's even, like, scientists believe that, like, if you've been sufficiently traumatized, yeah. that will pass on your DNA for, like, two generations. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's mm-hmm. gener- generational trauma. Like, it's just trauma. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, so, like, even just beyond, like, as a country we've gone through this, like, it's just literally in your blood. Yeah. It just, you can't get away from that. And, the, and Patterson um, cites her grandmother. It's not her great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. Yeah. It's her grandma. Yeah, yeah. Can, wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Nope. Um, so yeah, like I think that's the thing that I would add to what's already been said is like, there's just this shared thing that mm-hmm. yeah. just Japan has gone through and they're dealing with it. And then like this thing came up again recently that made them have to deal with it again. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I also like how they tie the bureaucracy into it because like, yeah, the war more or less ended after that mm-hmm. and there's all this stuff tied up with all these treaties that were made like yeah now now that we've been bombed like this we can no longer defend ourselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that's literally part yeah. of what happened is yep. that like a you know almost a hundred years later we still can't like take care of a thing that's only attacking us yeah because yes. we were attacked i think that is excellent absolutely I think that is an excellent point. And, you know, I feel like we have, it's if one sort of wants to take a zag, I feel like, on, on Dreamcasting. Because I, I'm leaving, I would like to leave this movie intact as it is. Particularly with the, like, genius biologist who's on the team. She's, she's staying no matter what. I love her I on love the Parade of Freaks. I love her so much. I love mm-hmm. her so much. Yeah. And that, that little moment at the end where she, like, allows herself to smile is yeah. just so, <laughs> so effective. Yeah. I love that she's just, like the weird eyes down nerd the whole time then when she realizes that like tokyo will only be radioactive for like three to five years and she smiles Mm -hmm. so good she and and she just says something like that's good yeah like she doesn't make it but just that's good and then closes her computer like okay relief but yeah i'm i'm amanda are you gonna make us a 90s action movie no so (laughs) there's too many characters to even begin there's so many you're right so instead what i'm doing is um instead of dream casting if they come to me and they're like hey we are gonna give you the money to remake this film i'd be like cool get me armando iannucci on the line 
as you, you name yeah. dropped him earlier and like last night as I was brushing my teeth and trying to figure out what I was going to do for this segment I was like got it nope it's Armando you just have to let him you let him make this it's the British government um, so yeah. we get like a back of head tracking shot of a little old lady followed by corgis being like oh that's terribly <laughs> troubling that we have a, a large creature off the coast but I don't think there's I any absolutely need to worry to the children about this and Iannucci British fucking di- monster movie. Like yeah. the most absurd thing you could throw at Stoic. Exactly. Keep calm and carry on British people. So that's the thing is and- that like there would be something that would emerge from the like off the coast of like Dorchester or, or is something. Is it finally Loch Ness? Like no, 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 not Loch Ness. Nessie's cool. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I have. I've been to the net. By the way, the Nessie Museum is fantastic, and if you have the opportunity oh, cool. to go, go to the Nessie Museum. Cool. It's so terrible. It's, it smells weird. I love it. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, it, like I would imagine this would come somewhere from like the English Channel. Okay, and yeah. she would be like, and, she, and and it would be just absolute. It would be whoever he wants to cast. Let him have it. A comedy of manners. A comedy of manners. <laughs> I don't know that we ever see the monster in his film. Like it doesn't matter. Right. Um. And that would probably be how if they were like, we're going to remake this because there's no other you can't you can't do this any other way. And there's not Uh like it wouldn't it would lose its bite if it's with an American government. I think that the British government is the best way to go because it is such a comedy of manners at that point. Because this is a comedy (laughs) of manners. This is a a show that's a, a movie that's a comedy of manners in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I like that you can also therefore like make it about like blitz trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Which like is a thing that came up and then. Uh, I don't know about never seeing it, but if you're going to, like, lean into the Blitz thing, mm-hmm. like, having the lights on means you see it, and then you die. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. 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 Like, if you see it, you die. It's, and if it's you can't, a like, quiet it's place, out there when it's horrible. light. Yeah. Yeah. All now, right. Um, towering Infernos. Yeah, the oh, Towering oh, no, no, Infernos. Sorry, Erica, did you have casting? We skipped Erica with casting. Oh, yeah. I feel like the only thing I would change, and I feel like it's just, it's mostly a me thing because I'm slightly more in tune to it uh being half Asian Mm -hmm. the fact that Patterson is like part she's supposed to be part white like we see her very white dad yeah yeah yeah. you don't see his face but he's clearly like super white yeah (laughs) and uh she's like clearly a Japanese woman that Mm -hmm. they hired and like it seemed to be yes the accent she speaks in when she speaks English is a Japanese accent it's not like (laughs) it's not like when you when I have to speak Chinese to my family and it like it's clearly horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would like, even though I really, really like her, just for like, that's the only thing that takes me out of it. Yeah, is seeing her at the moments where she's like interacting and she's like speaking English. Uh-huh. Or she's like, her Japanese is, like, way too good. <laughs> <laughs> and she makes a b- remark at one point about, like, how her Japanese isn't good enough to do X thing. I'm like, I don't know a lot, man, but I kind of think you're... I think you're in good shape. I feel like you're really good at Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what it was. It's that she's not good at the uh, the honorifics. Yeah. Which is... Oh, that was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can we just be casual? I'm not good at the honorifics. Which I loved because I love that that was based. I was like, oh, that's like how she plays everything. Like she's all flirty and cute and like plays with her bangs yeah. and isn't good at honorifics. <laughs> and it's just so hard. And Can being a girl is hard. I love that aspect I mean, of her. 
I love that because it felt more like a power play. Right, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Clearly yeah. your Japanese is excellent. Yeah. And yeah. you're just, you want to change the dynamics of the room because you're in it. Yeah. It's exactly. It was 100% that's what it was. And I loved it. I loved everything about her. I love her. I love yeah. her high five with Yaguchi when they're like, in they're in their suits and they're about ready to like go. I don't know why she's in one, but like she's not going to the, like the front line with him, but they're like about ready to put the freezing plant, the coagulant mm-hmm. plant into action. They're like walking down a white hall and they just have a moment where like they put out their hands and like high five and it's like yeah no sexual tension high fives between these government officials <laughs> and they part if ways they wanted, if they wanted to be really shady to americans in that moment that's when like she puts on the suit doesn't go with them but has a photo up yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i actually kind of fully assumed she put on the suit because it was super because she's like oh this looks really good on me actually this yeah, is really I chic it was sta- i figured it was <laughs> yeah. staging for something like but no you're ab- you're yeah. absolutely right about that <laughs> so what does that bring that what does that draw for the towering infernos amanda what do you think oh five come on guys that's right erica it's how five. many fives how many towering infernos are you giving this out of five Oh yeah, the full full marks. Like yeah. there's there's no way we can like yell about how good it is for two yeah. hours yeah. and then be <laughs> exactly. like uh, three and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 five. It's, it's great. A, it's a full five infernos, you guys. Yeah, which is just what a treat. What a treat. I'm so glad we finally covered Shin Godzilla on this podcast. So grateful for that. What a good movie. What a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't know that, that I would have. I, I would have gone into, like, seen it on my own because there's so many Godzillas. So thank you so much, Erica, for bringing this one to us. <laughs> and yeah, I've just like, been waiting for somebody, you know? I've been waiting for somebody to bring it up. So, excellent. So, because we uh, saved the yeah, good I, stuff for the guests. So, yeah, and we all do, of my choices were, like, semi-horror choices. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, me? I think this is, yeah, one, one thing that I'm um, sort of committed to, which which Amanda and Jordan have to set the boundaries for, is, like, uh, I am down for the definition of disaster to start to be stretched the the longer that we <laughs> go on with this show for for both reasons of um, not only being relegated to doing obscure B movies that aired on the Sci Fi Channel once, but like also just for a fact that there are many kinds of disasters yeah, hey, and some of them are mother. maybe less plausible. We've we done, have done mother. mother. Yeah, again. And that, hey. Oh, oh, precedent. I had a question about mother. Yes, uh, yeah, because because I listened to that one. And I'll just say I'm a hostile audience on this one. So what do you got? Oh, I know. I know. It was actually for you because you were so mad about it. Mm. <laughs> um, it uh, so part of the argument, it seems, was that Aronofsky made this movie and like didn't realize what he actually made. Like he That's thought it was my, about yes. like, oh, muses and artists and, and oh, mother, sad, mother earth really and climate about, change. Like, yeah. Like whatever yeah whatever <laughs> that that second part like no <laughs> yeah um so what given that you like were really mad that like, he made this movie that was about something else but he thought it was this other thing yeah how do you feel about rosemary's baby which is a movie about this woman who gets like locked in her home and like systematically kind of like gaslit and raped by this director who does exactly that but the movie's like oh it's bad this happened uh, like, do I like do I like Rosemary's Baby? Well, like, what what are your thoughts on that? Like that he's he made his movie. It's like, oh, you know what's bad is kidnapping and raping women. Uh, I no, yeah. don't don't ask why I'm in Europe forever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where it like it knowing then what we know now. Gosh, in the seventies we wouldn't have given a shit. But like, 
it is, it makes it, watching it now, if I did, if we did like a Rosemary's Baby edition of what is this movie really about, it would be exactly yeah. what you're saying. And it would be, and here's my, and my, in my position in, in horror, I'm a big advocate for, um, I'm a big, I get upset about recency bias, like against newer stuff. Like, I, I respect the classics. I don't need to talk about them all the time. Plenty of people do, plenty of people have, and plenty of people will. I am best used talking about Jennifer's body. I am best used talking about Scream, talking about The Hitcher from 2007. I, the sort of... Really? Are you you not into the Rutger Hauer one? I oh I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Okay. I and I like I love old movies. I, I, just I love had to guarantee. That, no, no, like, you're and it's much more. That, one. that one's much more queer too, which I really like about it. Um, I really, I really respect and I enjoy the classics. I am tired of us playing the same greatest hits over and over again and obsessing about the things that did something first, as opposed to maybe the things that did things better. Because they're newer, because more people with more different points of view were, have been allowed to make them, even though that's still not enough yet. We we move toward parody, but we are not there. Like, I don't necessarily need to talk about monsters that were in the closet as far as queer stuff goes, because I have monsters that are out of the closet now, and I can talk about them. And looking at something like Rosemary's Baby, I appreciate it for what it is, while also being able to look at it now and be like, I don't need to talk about fucking Rosemary's Baby all the time. It was maybe that goddamn rapist. Like, I, like, for me, it's just like, you know what? I can talk about a lot of possession movies without needing to bring Rosemary's Baby into it because it's a cool movie. We've talked it to death, and it happens to be that the guy who made it, what imbued a lot of probably the deepest horror into it was what is fundamentally a part of this person who is a chronic sexual abuser of women. And I think it, like, the idea of, like, knowing what we know now, there's this movie called Incident in a Ghostland. Have you seen it? I've never even heard of this one. It should die forever. Burn the burn the fucking print. Bury it under a jail. Oh, like, okay. Fine. It is made by it's made by the filmmaker who made Martyrs. It's made by Pascal Lugier. I don't love Martyrs, the French New Extremity film from two thousand and seven. People love it. People kind of hail it as sort of like I think the standard bearer of that wave of horror. And um, it's like all of its mystery and tabula rasa of like what does it mean and these existential truths. And like it's a movie that spends half its runtime just beating women to a state of submission beating them, beating them, beating them, beating them. And um, so there's that movie. And like people, again, people write doctoral theses about this movie. Well, Incident in a Ghostland comes out 10 years later and it just does the exact same thing that Martyrs does, except it rapes the women over and over again and turns them into like concubines of, of like take out the transphobia, like a, like a freakish brother and sister that are made to be like these mutant grotesque images, visuals that are like, wow, that's pretty fucking regressive too. And so if you take Incident in a Ghostland and then you look at Martyrs, to me, Martyrs becomes absolute fucking garbage. Because it's like, oh, I wonder what Martyrs was about? It's about this guy who likes to beat women. Like, Martyrs is about this guy who, at least in his art, likes to do the worst things possible to women. So it's like, why would I like Martyrs if I know that he just remixed the same proposal 10 years later in Incident in a Ghostland and pretty much, to me, exposed his entire artistic agenda, which is just doing the worst things possible to women on screen. So for me, like... Yeah, I like Sissy Spacek and stuff, but I think fucking Polanski cancels himself out with what we know about him. And kind of just Sissy like... Sissy Spacek was Carrie, by the way. What was that? Yeah, it, that was Sissy Carrie. Spacek yeah. was Carrie. Uh, yeah, um, Mia, Mia Farrow. Yeah, Mia Farrow. Yes. Um, yeah, I... It makes me, it makes me mad. It makes me mad knowing... <laughs> 
makes me mad knowing that like it becomes a grand manipulation you know it's like with like you look at woody allen's movies he's a dick in all of them he's not supposed yeah, to be anything I was gonna, but a dick i was gonna say you don't like, need to retcon to find the asshole in woody allen movies like woody, he just the, turns out was telling us the entire time the early woody allen films where he's dating teenagers and you're like oh so it was just the text the subtext was the text here, and it's very yeah, similar. With well, he text. also like never stopped dating women of that exact same age right. in his no. movies, though. Right? No. But I can't. It, I, yeah, think it's Man, I think like, it's Manhattan is the one where he's dating a seventeen-year-old. I can't remember which one. I think it's Manhattan. I started watching, and I was like, "Nope, I can't. I just yeah." Cannot. It's not the one with like Muriel Hemingway, where she's like a legit child. Yeah, he's dating a girl who's in high school, and it's and yeah. all of his friends <laughs> are like, "Oh, but she is very adult for her age," and it's like, "No, yeah. <laughs> she is seventeen textually oh, in the film." Yep. Yeah. No, it's it's Oof. a real when people tell you who they are, believe them. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, all right, I believe you. So I'm happy leaving that discussion of like heralding what a thing did amazingly in 1970 to them because I don't need to be the one carrying it on further. Because kind of fuck that, you know? Hell of an answer <laughs> to the question about mother. <laughs> all the, yeah, no, uh, well, all the tributaries it, off of that. Oh, man, mother. <laughs> that was just one where like i saw it with a friend in like basically an empty theater and he at the end he turned to me and he was like that could have been a 30 minute short yeah <laughs> i mean that i think would, i said it would function better as a 30 minute short because then you don't have to worry so like, much about character development and logic yeah because like the longer it goes on the more you're like should i get to know these people <laughs> are they characters are they are characters they? or are they symbols and they're just yeah, symbols they're just symbols it's a it's a thesis film from a Tish, like a Tish, a Tish theater, a Tish oh film major. Like fuck the yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I will stand by that. I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with uh, Paramount for making that movie. I'm very pleased that Paramount said yes. I wish they would take swings on filmmakers like that coming to them with crazy fucked visions and being like, you know what, we're gonna give you the money to do this thing, to do this thing big. I wish that was a norm and let, let you know, at least he swung hard, even though he fully fucking missed. At least he swung hard and he had the backing to do it from major studio. I would love to see more of that. I don't ever, I don't want to see Mother again, but I would love to see more of that. <laughs> that endorsement of, you know, a big pitch. Yeah. Um, it, it did. No, no, you, no, please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it, it did make me want to rewatch Pi and be like, wait, did I like this or was <laughs> I 18? That's, that is the, the big Aronofsky question is truly at its heart. Is he good or were we just young? Yeah, is he good or were we re- are we we really loving Boondock Saints at that time? Like, <laughs> kind of thing. Or was that yeah. just a poster on dorm walls? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, like, well, we yeah, know what is what does that take us to? Is uh, so, sign off. Uh, yeah. So, Erica, where can we find you? Well, what so, do you want to promote? Yeah. Sorry, Jason, go ahead. I, I was I was just, yeah. Let's 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 go let, let Erica get the plugs in. Yeah. What yeah. do you want to promote? What do you tell us about what we're what we can look for with you? Uh, everything that's upcoming has not been announced yet, so <laughs> uh-huh. you can, but you can hear about it on Twitter, Instagram, or my Patreon, which are mm-hmm. all at Erica Fails. Okay, oh, perfect. Please, please check out Dracula, motherfucker. All right, it's, it's very good. I, I love it. I love it yeah. so Is much. It, are, are all issues of it out now? Is it oh, ongoing? It's, it's one graphic novel. Graphic novel. Okay, got it. Got it. Yep. So, okay, great. One piece. It's very easy. Very easy. Very good. Amazing. Very fun read. Good to have on your shelf. Well, um, thank you. I'm going to keep imagining, Erica, that uh, that one of those upcoming projects is the uh, Tremors reboot that you and Kyle Starks are doing. 
which I know is it continues to be a thing that doesn't exist, but I want it to. <laughs> Jason is speaking oh, it into existence. I mean, we we keep mentioning it, but like whoever has the rights to it now, I think it's just fully universal now. I think it's it's no longer even with like the original Stampede. Oh, yeah, sad. Yeah. Which is why it's like if... all the Netflix movies are terrible because it's no okay, one. Okay, I was gonna say <laughs> I don't know if you've it. seen the most recent one, Shrieker Island. A great time. A great <laughs> time. I cried. Wow. I really? cried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bert really gets really really gets some great stuff. And I, I would I would just highly recommend to anybody listening. I think it's Tremors Seven. Shrieker Island, also featuring John Heater in a delightful role, of which wow. I would love to see John Heater in this iteration a thousand more times. Um, check that out on Netflix. Shrieker uh, Island. I'm completely unsurprised that they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have brought back, well, not brought back, but brought in Jamie Kennedy as Mutt. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe no. we just forget that happened. Yeah, and this one, Richard Brake is there being a crazy game hunter. You know, you got you got John Heater as like the affable sidekick to Bert, who is just as Bert as ever. It's it's a wonderful time, and again, an emotional ride. Now, now we know we know already what we're uh, doing next week. Is that right? Do we know? Uh, let's well, let's let Erica go, and we can discuss briefly. Yeah. All right. Sounds we good. We will let you go so you don't have to hear our bullshit hemming and hawing. <laughs> it was nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming yes, on. Thank you yeah. so much. This was a great time. It was nice time. to meet both of you. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. <laughs> so, Jordan, who do we have coming up next week for our recording? This is your guest. You've got a guest coming in. So, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Um, we connected via Twitter when his most re- recent movie was coming out. Uh, and then he- I watched his movie and I loved it, and it is part of the Skylines franchise. The director is Liam O'Donnell, and he has decided that he wants to discuss this. This is prime time, folks. Independence Day. Independence Day. And this is related to, well, it's related to all of us because it's Independence yeah. Day. But it's related to Liam because uh, the Skylines franchi- franchise started with the movie Skyline. Uh, I'm okay on Skyline. It's fine. Then... After that comes Beyond Skyline. That's number two, and that's where Liam takes it over. And Beyond Skyline has Eco Uwais, and it has Frank Grillo, and it's a really fucking cool Aliens Come to Earth uh, action movie. And then the most recent movie, though, the third one in the franchise, also a Liam O'Donnell production, it is Skylines. Skylines, plural, with a three that is the E. So that's how you can find it. And because it's the third Skylines and it is Rona Mitra is in this movie kicking ass um, who needs to be in a thousand more movies all the time. But it is a continuation of the story of the aliens who've come to Earth um, and and how humanity is fighting back against them. There's a human alien hybrid in the third one. It's really awesome. And so I'm super glad to be talking with an alien movie maestro about the formative alien invasion movie of our uh, mid-millennial lives. So that is next week. And, you know, I would say watch it, but you surely have already watched ID4 a thousand times in your life anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is available. Find independent. It's an alien movie that even Amanda will be happy to watch. I, have, I, I mean, the first time I ever saw it, I was on an airplane and that was a little traumatizing, but yes. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, not the place you want to be to watch it. No. Anyway, 
Um, but yes, go see it. Watch it. I am afraid of aliens, but not so afraid of aliens that I can't appreciate Will Smith punching an alien. So yes, yes. Um, and this is just to clarify the original flavor or Independence Day. This is not any any sequel, any knockoff, any imitation. Right, this is this is what is that ninety four? Yeah, ninety six. Uh, oh gosh, I want to say it was ninety. Four, but it might have been 90. I don't remember. It was, it's in that mid that sweet mid nineties sweet spot of action mo- of action disaster movies. Um, but yeah, then we arrive now at the handles portion of the broadcast. Yes, Amanda. Yes. Oh, it was ninety six. Uh, ninety six. Okay. All right. So, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U, and Patreon.com slash Cruciola, and maybe find a little a little bit of my vibe at Super Yaki with the Paul Feig clothing drop collection. Awesome. And uh, Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me sitting at my desk eating cookies, um, <laughs> but you can also find me at uh, Jason Halftones on Twitter and uh, Instagram comics and you know all that shit and you can go to that might for more podcasts all right and then you can find me i'm amanda r tubbs and that's tubbs with two b's two b's two b's and uh you can just find me on twitter and then of course we have our twitter accounts disaster underscore pod is our twitter account find us there interact with that's us pod with two b's <laughs> <laughs> fuck find us there interact with us harass us harangue us i'm just normally sitting at home uh on my phone just waiting for someone to interact with me um and then you can email us at disastergirlspod at gmail.com and of course please guys take a second to rate and review us it's super helpful it makes a huge difference and we love seeing your ratings and reviews hell yeah it's very kind of you when you do so we'll see y'all back next week for independence day independence day see you guys later bye That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>